Hello and welcome to the Shea Hates Everything podcast, where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate that there are assholes in every online community. And my name is Kyle, and today I hate traveling. You actually said you hate traveling on the very first episode of the Shea Hates Everything podcast. Well, guess what? It's come full circle. No, I'm not saying you're not allowed to reuse a hate, but it's just funny, because I... When I edited the like little preview episode, yeah, like little five minute whatever thing, I used clips from our first couple of episodes, and I used your clip of today I hate traveling from that first episode, and so it's just stuck nice. in my memory. Wow, yeah. I totally forgot about that. It's a callback. Hey, hey, wife, do you hear that? On the first Shay hates everything podcast, I said I hate traveling. <laughs> it was my first hate. Aw, memories. Yeah. <laughs> My first hate. <laughs> Baby's first It was like hate. two years ago. Oh, that's what you should have called that episode when you announced the kid. It should have been Baby's first hate. Uh, when we announced that it was Baby Hates Everything. Yeah, but Baby's first hate is better. Yeah, but my baby doesn't hate... Well, um, she, she hates a lot of stuff. <laughs> but she didn't hate anything at the time. That's true. Okay. Well, tell me about assholes in online communities. Yeah, they're they're everywhere, man. It just, it's annoying because like I try to push as much of that stuff out of my life as possible because I just don't need I don't need that negativity. I have enough on the inside. <laughs> but like <laughs> so like one of the things, you know, I'm really active in the fantasy football community on Twitter. Um I chat with a bunch of like dudes and and gals that want to grow of their own um, brand in the community. And I'm not really doing that. I'm just really active and I like talking about fantasy football. And it's just, just to see a lot of the comments people leave and replies of like, I think this player is being underdrafted this year. I think he's going to be a value and I think he's going to be better than these other people. And people responding with like, fuck off. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You should quit. And I'm just like, like we're talking about like a fake game that's about another game we're just talking about it like i don't i i'm like why why anger why is that a response to someone someone gives an opinion on something that is completely frivolous that i can totally ignore and instead i tell you to fuck off it's just like completely ridiculous well it's a a lot of parts of our lives we don't have control over and that's very frustrating and so when we get to an area where we can be vocal that's why a lot of the times it is extremely negative and we take it out on other people and that's a big reason why i don't use social media anymore yes because then i i force myself i I cut off that outlet for that kind of stuff and now i try and process things more in a healthier way not saying that you don't do that but i'm saying a lot of people don't know how to do that uh properly that's a lot of what it is for me as well is that the fantasy football community for a while was overwhelmingly positive it was the people that were talking about it on twitter were like the people that were really passionate really interested and a lot of these up-and-coming folks it's that rising tide lift all boats thing of like if they disagreed they wanted to talk about it because it brings different perspectives and over the past year i feel like it's gotten not that and even the people, like, not even just the fans that don't know what the hell they're talking about anyway, but that, like, 
the, the people that are supposed to be knowledgeable yelling at each other about having a different opinion. And, and this really came to a head. There is um, two women that run a fantasy football podcast. They are married to each other. So not only are they women in a predominantly male thing, but they're also gay. And so guess what? People are the worst. And so like, just they're talking about these players of, I, a lot of people really like this guy. I don't think he's going to be good for these reasons. And another dude who like runs his own stuff. And I've read some of his articles before and enjoyed them response to him was being just a huge prick about it. Just like, like not, not like all he has to do is say, I still think he's going to be good for these reasons. What was it about what you saw that made you think that? And instead he came back and he's like, oh, so all of a sudden you know everything there is to know about this player? I bet you didn't even watch any of his games from last year. You don't know what's going on. And, I'm, and I, I responded to this guy because then like people started shitting on him, which is a good thing. I'm glad that people called him out. Yeah. But then he replied later and was like, he like quote tweeted. So he quoted the whole thread of their conversation and then made a comment on it. And it was like, well, I don't understand why people are getting so mad. Will someone explain to me what I did wrong here? And I was like, dude, you know, don't act like you don't know what, what you were doing. You were being an asshole. Like, d- don't pretend like you weren't. If this was a man, would you have responded in this way? No. And I'm not trying to be like a white knight, whatever, thinking that women can't defend themselves and I have to come in to defend them. I'm just defending her as like a a human being who I really like her stuff. I don't always agree with her, but like she seems like a legitimately good person who's just trying to talk about a fantasy football game. And this guy has to come in and just be a prick about it. And it's just like that kind of stuff. It it disappoints me, honestly, more than it makes me angry because that community was so overwhelmingly positive for so long. And now it's being infested by assholes and... Just like everything else. And it's a bummer. Yeah. Um, there are zone, There are nuggets of good in the world. And I find that a lot of times the broader access you give to that nugget of good, the more often it just gets spoiled by shitty people. Right. Um, right. Who just want to spoil it because they're miserable. Um, yep. Yeah, so that's that. But I know why you decided that today your hate was traveling, and that's because you spent the last week in Harry Potter World slash Universal Studios slash Disney for your late honeymoon. Yeah, places where, um, you know, like normal people uh, would have a great time and would be able to enjoy themselves and immerse themselves and be with those they love, and have a wonderful time. The best um, place on earth, or the happiest place on earth, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a pile of shit, so mm-hmm. I did not have a lot of fun. Um, I had a lot of really great moments on my honeymoon, and the main reason my wife and I went down there was because we love Harry Potter, so we got to walk around there. That was super cool, yep. seeing all the buildings, being in those areas. Um, my body, I don't take care of my body. So my body did not keep up, and that made me extra miserable. I also just really dislike the process of traveling. I hate being around big crowds of people. It makes me anxious. I hate not sleeping in my own bed. Also makes me anxious. Um, I like I need that home base to go back to every night, and not having that uh, really uh, gets my goat. Um, And uh, I am a 
when it comes to a lot of things, I am a very miserly person. Uh, and that has been bred from necessity in the past, but maybe not as much currently, but I still have that in me. Um, and so being in the happiest but most expensive place on earth uh, <laughs> <laughs> was not not my favorite. Like everything, it's like three times as expensive as it should be. Like a soda is four dollars. A bottle of soda is four dollars. Right. A bottle of water is four dollars, and they're like, like we were trying to get around spending money on bottles of water, and so we like we had a bottle. We were trying to like refill it at the drinking fountains, and at Disney the drinking fountain like the water tasted like someone shit in it. Like it had this like, <laughs> irony coppery like fecal matter aftertaste, and it was deplorably bad so we had to spend four dollars to buy fresh water uh and it's just like they <sighs> another part of it is my wife and i get nauseous uh when we ride rides so we weren't riding rides which is like another huge reason to go there yeah that people drive a lot of enjoyment from we tried riding one of the harry potter rides the hogwarts ride and we got nauseous so we're like okay no like we knew we were gonna get nauseous we thought we'd try it no, we can't ride any more rides, so we didn't. Um, we still got to see a lot of really cool stuff and do a lot of fun things. It's just all the in-betweens that yeah. really, really bug me and and uh, bring me down. Um, and so let's uh, let's let's flip this. Yeah. Instead of talking about why this honeymoon trip to Disney World was bad, right? <laughs> which is just absurd. <laughs> I know it is. At I'm least the the fun stuff, you guys bought some cool shit. So what yeah. what kind of cool shit did you guys buy from Harry Potter World? So we bought a Firebolt, the broom. Yeah. A full-scale replica of the Firebolt. It's fucking awesome. And mm-hmm. so actually while we were there, we kind of had this realization of, hey, like we don't have a motif for our bedroom yet. Um we have owned our home for almost two years and we don't have anything on the walls in our bedroom. And it's just like just the furniture that we need. And that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like the sheets and blankets that we have, not like themed or colored or anything. Um, like we have our really nice Renaissance dining room with my suit of armor on a mannequin that I wore at the wedding, all of our pictures from the wedding, all this other like stuff. Uh, and then we have, you know, our living room, which is very like European Ikea, I'm going to say European to make it sound fancier. It's yeah, a bunch of Ikea think, shit. I don't think um, that European fits. It's my I think it's aesthetic just Ikea. in all caps with spaces between the letters. Um, and then our guest room, my wife really loves giraffes. So it's a lot of her giraffe stuff, kind of like a little bit of an African motif. We super got to clean that shit up because it's our junk room. Um, but once we get it cleaned up and everything's stored properly, it's going to look great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we don't have a motif for the bedroom. So while we were there, we were like, hey. Our, we love Harry Potter. It should be Harry Potter in the bedroom. Wizard in the sheets, if you know nice. what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so we got the Firebolt broom, and uh, we decided that, hey, that would look really cool up on a wall, along with like some beater bats and some bludgers and quaffles and some shelves with a bunch of Harry Potter merch and like a cool blanket and some pillows and all this other stuff so we don't have a lot of that um but that's now our plan going forward is we're going to try and collect that stuff over time and turn our bedroom into like a harry potter room which is really so cool. buying a really expensive 
replica broom well, step is one. now going to cause you to buy way more expensive Harry Potter shit. Hell yeah. Okay. Uh, we calculated out everything that we want, and if we buy it all online, it's going to be about $2,000. Yes. Spread out over a lot of time, because we're not going to buy it all, and we're going to ask <laughs> for stuff for gifts. So anyways, what we bought at the park, got the Harry Potter broom. We got our own sets of our. We each got a robe. She likes Slytherin, um, so she got the wrong choice. And then I got Gryffindor because uh, mm-hmm. I like Gryffindor. And then um, we each got our wands. I got uh, Newt Scamander's Newt. wand. Yeah. And then who? Who is your wand? Qu- Queenie Goldstein. Okay, she's the one that has telepathy. Sure. Have you remember. not seen the new the the? I've Fantastic not seen the piece? most recent one. Well, she's in the first one too. She's the blonde, blonde, the one who's very like fifties, like oh. or like thirties, forties, like yeah, Mister. Oh, right, whatever. yeah, the yeah. one who likes the the chubby dude. Oh, well, that's appropriate. Yes. Um. Anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so so she got her wand. It's cool. It has like a seashell on the end of it. Mm-hmm. It's really neat. Um. So we got our wands. And then we got a Marauder's Map replica. We got a set of wizard coins. So the galleon, the sickle, and the nut that mm-hmm. are like licensed that are super neat. Um, Make sure we, you not you don't don't break the smallest coin. I won't. Because then you would need to tell people that you bust a nut. <laughs> bust a nut. <laughs> and I just found the name of this episode. <laughs> Busted nuts. K N U T S. Um. And uh, we got a little Felix Felicis potion. We got chocolate frogs that come with the card, the wizard cards. We, she and I each got one. Mine came with Gilderoy Lockhart. We have not opened hers yet, though. But they're actually like a really good sized chocolate frog. I was surprised. Uh, more than you should pay for something like that. But I was happy. I was expecting like a hollow chocolate frog. Right. It's solid chocolate. Right. Which they owe me that much. Um, and then we got some fizzing Wisbees. From whatever the uh, the candy pastry shop was, which that's a Harry Potter thing. Apparently, it tastes like Fruit Loops inside. They're chocolate, like chocolate coated Fruit Loops almost. So I don't know. Maybe those. That sounds kind of yummy. Yeah, that sounds okay. Um, you said you guys tried butter beer. Yeah, the butter beer. Uh, I did not really like it. Did you like it? My wife liked it. Um, it it was good for like half the cup, and then it was like right. too sweet. Yeah. yeah, way too sweet. Um, because they injected it with this like foam cream stuff that was very milky, mm-hmm. uh, and we did do the frozen ones. Um, so I don't know if that's different or not, but it was very milky and like I don't know, it was strange. Um, what else? Uh, my wife got a Slytherin watch, and I'm sure I'm forgetting something. So what kind of what kind of like big shit was there that you didn't buy? Like what what so could you have bought? There was also a Nimbus two thousand and one. That was mm-hmm. another broom that we're totally gonna get. Um, they <laughs> did have like foam kids quaffles and like beer bats and stuff, but I want like the actual shit. Yeah. So uh, there's a set on Etsy for too much money that we would like to buy. It looks super legit. Um, there were like legit Quidditch robes that we didn't get. Mm-hmm. I have my like cheapo Halloween store Quidditch robe. Um, we didn't buy that. 
there was so they had like whole outfits of certain characters like a whole snape outfit a whole gilderoy lockhart outfit they had the dress that hermione wears to the yule ball nice frilly pink ugly thing yeah it's hideous um, but yeah she they have that fine well yeah how 16 year old shay thought she looked fine yeah, i should okay. say <laughs> good qualifier um they had some really cool throw pillows that we wanted and, like, a platform nine and three quarters sign that was neat. They had this mm. really big metal cast Hogwarts insignia. It was, like, okay. bigger than my head, and I have kind of a big head. Uh, I don't remember how much that was, but, it like, we didn't wind up getting it. I thought it was super Probably cool, a though. lot. Probably a ton. Um, they had time turners, like a philosopher's or a sorcerer's stone. Yeah. Philosopher's stone. A sorcerer's stone, like, in a little domed collector's thing that looks nice um there were tons of different wands that you could get so they had all the character wands and then they had a, a bunch of wands that were just like more generic like right. made of this wood uh and this wood yeah that's it, probably the very, route very, i like, would want to go logical sign like this wood goes with this kind of person oh interesting um, yeah. Oh well, that's because I mean they have to figure out a way of doing that without because right. the wand can't actually choose you, you know. So they have to find right. some like, yeah, astrologically that makes sense given that it's magic. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess I did say that really like dismissively, like <laughs> astrological. I mean, sign. it is it is bullshit, but this is a world <laughs> where this stuff exists. Yes. <laughs> it's a world of bullshit. Yes. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what I would want. Like, I mean, and, and maybe I would go there and not think that any of those looked particularly cool. But I kind of I just like the idea of it being, even though like a thousand other people have the same one that I bought. Yeah. At least it would feel more like mine than I'm just buying a character's. I wand. know. There was one that I really liked that I felt deeply connected to. Right. Um, but it was one of the interactive wands, which A, was more expensive, and B, had a stupid little plastic thing poking out the tip uh, so you could interact with stuff in the park. And I didn't want that. Mm-hmm. I didn't want that stupid plastic thing poking out. So I got Newt's Commanders instead. That was my second choice. Um trying to think if there was anything else so we ate breakfast at leaky cauldron and lunch mm-hmm. at the three broomsticks which was neat um yeah and were so- there other restaurants like themed like did they have a hog's head yeah we did was not there go, that we did not um, go into the hog's head but they the had like it. foofy coffee shop place that harry goes on that date with cho at i don't know oh, i don't called. think so i don't think that was there in hogsmeade mm. um but yeah, because there's Diagon Alley and Hogsmeade, uh, mm-hmm. and two separate Universal parks. That's how they get you. You got to get the two park pass to see both. Yeah. Um, but the Hogwarts Express does connect them, so you ride the Hogwarts Express, and there's a little interactive thing, and it's different depending on which direction you go. So my wife and I rode. So we started in Diagon Alley, and then rode to Hogsmeade, and rode back. And thankfully, the interactive experience was different because um, I did not want to sit through the first one again. Um, they were just like really like. All the characters are here. Mm-hmm. That's like, and that I guess that's my big issue, because like that's why I like the Renaissance Festival is because it's just people trying to make the setting feel real. Yeah, uh, and they're not like, I mean, there are like you know like the people that are there like as customers or like visitors they dress up as characters but nobody that's there is trying to dress up as like an existing character they're just trying to like make it feel real yes and this place is very like hey remember when this thing happened yep 
it's happening yeah. again in front of you. You also have to think about it's the audience, park. though. I know. Yeah, yeah. And it's more for kids and stuff. I get that. I just wish it was a little more like a Renaissance <laughs> festival uh, where it was just, like, people trying to, like, make the place feel alive as opposed to trying to recapture moments from the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get why they do it, but um, that's just... Like, I was having this ve- I was having a lot of those moments where I was like, man, this is really cool, and now... And then I was interrupted really by... Yeah, yeah, by little kitty stuff, which... Right. That's part of the deal when you go. But I also feel like Harry Potter's a bit different because our generation grew up with Harry Potter, and so, there, so? Are, there are just as many, if not more, adults who love Harry Potter as there yeah. are children who love Harry Potter, so I don't it, know. It seems like they have not adjusted their marketing in that direction. Yeah. Hard to hard to please both audiences, I guess. And right. making things kid themed is more long term because there will always be more kids. Yeah, people we are just going to continue getting older. Yeah, we're just going to continue getting older and less interested. Yeah, we're in just going to die. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, that was and then, yeah, so we did two days at Universal. We stayed in a resort hotel, so we got to like take the shuttle back and forth, which was super convenient. Mm-hmm. Okay, so life hack. We did not pay for parking once the entire week on accident. So uh, at our at our hotel, the Aventura, uh, I don't think they charged us for the parking. It was supposed to be like 45 46 bucks for the week um, because when we checked in, they asked us, hey, do you want this the card on file? Do you want us to be able to charge it like things to it? If you want like room service or whatever, you just say, hey, my room number, it'll charge you the card. We mm-hmm. said no because we had my card and her card and we had some cash. So we're like, we're going to be paying for things with different stuff. So let's not do that. And we had gift cards and stuff, too, for Universal. Um, so we said no. So every time we went to enter and exit the parking structure, when we tried to use our room key, it wouldn't work. So we'd have to call, tell them our room number, and then they would let us in or out. So we never got charged for parking. And I think it's because we said no to the automatic charges. And they never really caught it? Question mark? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. We might be, have a surprise $45 <laughs> yeah. charge coming up here soon. You'll you'll be receiving a bill. <laughs> Maybe. Um, this is then, Disney. Like, they're, wa- they're well, listening to this podcast right now. That was Universal. Oh, okay. And then, then, so we did two days Universal, one day at Disney. And we hit all four parks at Disney in one day. We walked 11 miles. Uh, I'm not going to get into it. You and I talked about it before the podcast. My feet hurt really bad uh, that day. It was miserable. Um, but my, I think my wife had fun, which is what I care about. So we started the day in the Animal Kingdom Resort because my wife loves giraffes. And there is a breakfast restaurant you can eat at, um, at like Kadani Village, I think it is. And you can see all this like African safari animals and giraffes mm-hmm. are one of those animals. So you can like look at them as you eat breakfast. So we parked in the underground parking structure at that um, resort the Kadani Village Resort, a Disney Resort, and then we shuttled over to the different Disney parks and then shuttled back to the village and left. Never had to pay for parking. Mm. So, life hack. Eat breakfast there, shuttle on over to the parks, and just take the shuttles all day. And then you can shuttle back. Um, You don't have to pay for parking, which was awesome. That made me happy. (laughs) Because I I am self-described miserly. Yes. Um, so that saved us some, a good chunk of funds, not having to pay for parking, which was nice. Um, so total life hack. And that's the honeymoon. We're back. I was, we, all right. So we stopped down at your place 
uh, 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 stopped off at your place on the way down and spent the mm-hmm. night there. We were supposed to stop on the way back up, but my wife and I were like, look, we we have it in us to make the full drive. We might not have it in us tomorrow morning because <laughs> right. we're just like in the mode to go. And we kept hitting traffic, and it kept getting later and later and later. So even if we were to stop off just for dinner, it would have put us, instead of getting home at, like, 2.30, we would have got home at, like, 3.30 or 4, which is a different ball game. Um, so, unfortunately, we drove through on the way up instead of stopping again. But on the way down, we did get to stop and see my niece for the first time. Yeah. Uh, Big P. And uh, had a nice taco dinner that your wife cooked that was very delicious. And she made some great guac. Um, and I tried to sleep on an air mattress and didn't. <laughs> I actually... so that travel life. That's what happens when we don't have a, a, a second a second bedroom. Well, yeah. No, it's not, not uh, a knock on you guys at all. It's just like I... Because I sleep on my side. And so mm-hmm. until I fall asleep, I shift about every five or six minutes from side to side. And when you're on an air mattress with your wife, uh, I didn't want to continually wake her up every single time I shifted, so I tried to sleep on the floor. (laughs) And the mattress took up the whole floor, so I was there's like this little shelving unit off to the side, and I had like maybe 14 inches between the side of the air mattress (laughs) and the bookshelf thing, and that's where I slept. (laughs) Awesome! It was great. It was great. So I didn't. I just yeah. So we drove through, uh, we left around 10 a.m. and arrived home at about 2.30 a.m. Uh, it was about, a long six, drive. about 16 and a half hours because we, we kept getting really unlucky too. Like we hit all that traffic before Atlanta and then it just continued all the way around. And then it was like five, five, six o'clock people are leaving. So we got in the yeah. traffic going out of Atlanta yeah um and then like there were a bunch of accidents along the way and it was really something but man boy howdy were there cops like after it was a friday night and it was like around midnight and mm-hmm. it was just like cop 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 all these people pulled over like crazy hmm. so we just drove the speed like exactly the speed limit for like the last two and a half hours of the drive which was painful because we just wanted to get home but we're yeah, like we're not getting pulled over <laughs> <laughs> You just spent a bunch of money on this trip. You don't want to also <laughs> yeah, have a ticket. You can't pay for a, a speeding ticket. <laughs> yeah, you get plus, pulled over. Sir, officer, I'm really sorry. You need to give me a warning and not a ticket. I can't afford this. We just went to Harry Potter World. <laughs> yeah. Plus, we just bought our car. Um, yeah. Did I talk about that last episode? I feel like I didn't. Yes. Did I? Okay, cool. Bought a car. Woo. And it still has the temporary plate on the back because we haven't right. been able to go to the DMV because they haven't sent us the title yet. Um, so... I didn't want to, like, deal with that whole situation if we got pulled over. Like, is this really a legitimate car or is it not? Did we steal it? Who knows? Um, so, yeah, that was that was a long drive. But our dog was so happy when I bet. we got home. It's good, to, it's, it's good to be back. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, and I feel differently about traveling than you do. But it's yeah. always, like... A little bittersweet leaving because you had a good time, but when you do get home, it is kind of a, uh, like it's a finally I can relax sort of feeling. Yeah, um, definitely. And really, I had to get home because um, the Steam sale is going on right now. Yeah. Uh, also, 
I got a new monitor and a new chair for my desk. Because the, chair the chair is I, pretty legit. Yeah, the chair I had was too low, so my shoulders were like up when I would game, and it was really messing with my back. So now I'm in a much better posture and position for hashtag gaming. Um, I don't know. I don't. I bought it off a of Walmart, I think. What brand is this chair? I don't know. It's a red and black, like, racing-looking style chair. And it yeah. came with, like, lumbar pillows that I'm not using, even though I probably should. It's just, I'm, I can't get used to that. But my new monitor is an AOC, which is not a brand I had heard of. But it is 144 hertz, 1080p, um, has one millisecond screen delay, has extremely small bevels on the side, and is... 25 inches which is much bigger than my previous monitor and it has uh it is g-sync compatible so now i don't have to click v-sync on games because my monitor does the hard work for me and so i get better performance in games i was getting over 300 frames per second in minecraft the other day wow which is dope that's a um, lot of frames. Of course, I couldn't see it because I could only see up to 144, but still, it's pretty good. Uh, the one thing, it's weird. Like, the colors just feel a little washed out. I still need to do some mm. fine-tuning on the settings, like the color settings and stuff. But maybe it's just in contrast to my other Asus monitor, which is, like, so freaking dark and mm. saturated, which I like, but... Um, Maybe it's just because the contrast between the two is so stark. But I was, yeah. up until I got this new monitor, I got it to replace my old monitor that I have apparently had for almost 12 years. Uh, it was an old HP monitor that came with my old HP desktop all-in-one yeah. thing that I had bought. <laughs> like, as a, not all-in-one, but as a package. It, like, came with the computer. I have been, it was 1440 by 900 was the resolution on that sucker. Um, which Is that bad? It's just a bizarre resolution that isn't, mm. like, it's not a, a 6.9 standard or anything like that. It's just a really okay. weird resolution. Uh, or 16 by 9 standard. Um, so now I have a 1600 by 900, and then my 1920 by 1080. And it rocks. Nice. It's a good time. Technology. Yeah. So, Steam Sale. Sorry, I'm doing all the talking. Mm-hmm. The Steam sale is currently going on. Started June 25th and goes until July 9th. Um, if you are running on EST, Steam updates at 1 p.m. Um, for their like, daily deals. Or yeah, whatever. for you and I. So the deal with the Steam sale right now is they're calling it the Steam Grand Prix. You can join one of five different teams. I'm on the Corgi team because we roll in this, or we run in this show. We keep winning. And the deal is you can... Any game that you own that you have achievements for, if you play it for a half an hour during the sale, and all right, all of you listening, you have to join Team Corgi if I'm going to let you in on the life hacks here. So you, we got to ensure the win. Uh, okay. So <clears throat> since since I can tell all of you listeners have um, committed to Team Corgi, I'm going to tell you. So if you any game that you play for at least 30 minutes during the Steam summer sale, during these like two weeks you can cash in your achievements from those games, like just like regular achievements, for points. Um, so, like, there are a lot... Like, I have had a Steam account for 10 years, 
So I have a lot of achievements and a lot of games. I just have to run them for at least a half an hour to be able to cash in the points. Now, the points you can cash in for, like, backgrounds and emojis or whatever. But most importantly, 15,000 points nets you $5 off your next purchase. Mm. So in one day, I had, I've cashed in about 38,000 points. So I have $10 off my next purchase just in one day. And that's just running from some of the games that I have installed, um, running them for at least half an hour and cashing in the achievements. So I have a lot more games that I'm going to have to reinstall and run for half an hour to get yeah. a lot of points. The way they kind of gate it is you have a daily total, a max points that you can redeem in a day. Okay. Um, and there's like the other big part of the Grand Prix thing is they have a lot of games that you can play for free during the event and a lot of games that might be in your library and they have little mini quests that you hmm. do in the game. Like Stardew Valley was one that I was playing a lot yesterday and it was like you get 20 points if you harvest a crop and then mm. they're repeatable. So like mm -hmm. yesterday I harvested almost 400 crops for 20 points each so that net me like almost 6,000 points. Which, when you're talking fifteen thousand, is five dollars off. Like that's a pretty good return on your time. Like I played sure. Stardew for maybe two and a half hours, and I got like, I, I got the you made of, almost two fifty. Well, no, like also like taking into account all of the other things that I did in the game that I were know, I was also earning points. I got five dollars off from playing Stardew for two hours, which was a good time. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's two dollars and fifty cents an hour. Yeah, it's like a third of minimum games. wage. Yeah, right. Um, so not bad. So that's the Grand Prix uh, sale going on right now. So the deal with the teams is if your team gets first, second, or third, a different number of people from each team based on the place that you your team gets will be randomly chosen from that team, and you get your top game on your wish list for free right like they gift it to you then at the end of the sale on july 9th the team like the overall best team um like a certain number of people randomly chosen will get their top three games for free mm. um so yeah good stuff that'd be more worthwhile if i played more games on steam yeah it's super worthwhile for me just because I have a lot of games. Yep. Um, I have 569 games in my Steam library. Uh, so I'm going to be able to cash in a lot of points throughout the sale <laughs> and get a lot of free money from so Steam. So you can buy more games that you so I, won't play until uh, the next time they do this Steam sale. And then I you'll play, play them to get more moment. points to buy more games that you won't play until the next Steam sale. <laughs> All right, here are the games that I really, get you. Here are the games I'm eyeing. Like my number one game right now is They Are Billions. So if I get that for free, that's great. Um, and then like I've been trying to go back through some of the old Call of Duty games. So I have Black Ops on my Steam wish list. Um, do, 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 what's another one I really want? Farm Together is one I really want. There is a Don't Knock Twice video game. Nice. With VR support, which we'll talk about that later, or the movie version of it. I want Kingdom Come Deliverance, but the some of the developers are kind of shitty and, like, bad bad human beings and, like, being 
like saying things that are uh, uh, considerate of others, uh, certain groups. So I like don't want to support that, but then I also know there are some developers on their team that worked really hard that aren't like that. So like having this like weird wishy washy thing about that game, whether or not I actually want it. Um, but if they gave it to you for free, it wouldn't matter. Exactly. Uh, there are some like other survival games and stuff that I want as well, because mm-hmm. I'm big into that genre, big time. Um, yeah, there's some games that I want. I have 109 games on my wish list, some of which aren't out, um, and some of which I should probably take off. But yeah, I have not updated my wish list in probably a year. Yeah. Because I'd never go on Steam because I never play games on PC unless yeah. they are Minecraft. Donut County is only eight seventy right now, so I could get I it. I already for free. played it. I could get it for free right now because I have ten dollars off of my next purchase. Donut County is very good. That's what I hear. So that might some be would one of say the it was one of the ten best games of twenty eighteen. Who would say that? Me. Oh. You know what other game is good? What Skyrim? Tell me about Skyrim. Yeah, we need to move on. It's been 37 minutes. Sorry. (laughs) So, last episode was our E3-focused episode. So, we did not talk about news from those two weeks. We did not talk about what we had been playing and watching. So, we have a a hefty chunk of stuff. Um, Not much of it is new from me. Because I'm still (laughs) playing Skyrim. I Actually, I had a moment. So, on, on Saturday... My wife was going to the local farmer's market for just for funsies by herself, but also because of her job, she wanted to see, oh, are there farmers here that we could get to come to our store, blah, blah, blah. So she wanted to go. She wanted to take our daughter, and she was going to go with her sister. She invited me. I elected not to go because it's 150 fucking degrees outside, and I don't want to walk around a farmer's market and wait for her as she tries to talk to these people. No, thank you. So they went. So I was home alone for like three hours. I did a bunch of cleaning shit for like two hours because I wanted to be a good husband. But I had like that last hour when I was waiting for them to get back. And I was like, oh, I'm by myself. I don't have to take care of my daughter right now. I can play anything I want. And I played more Skyrim. Because instead of like, I was like, oh, I could start Metro Exodus. But then I was like, you know what? No. Because yeah, I might be able to play for an hour now, but I don't know when I'm going to get a time like this again. And I'm not going to play Metro when I'm watching my daughter because it's not a game. Like, I don't want to play it for 10 minutes and then I have to stop. So I just played more Skyrim. I mean, this is my life now. Hell yeah. But Skyrim's real good. I'm having fun playing Skyrim. It has crashed a couple times. Which is very nerve-wracking. There's some area in like the western side of the map where there's like a zone where if I go into that zone, the game crashes. I don't That's know why. Good. I don't. I'm hoping that there aren't any big story things that happen in that zone. But I just avoid that zone, and I've been okay. <laughs> I um I started Dawn Guard, and I went to Markarth and did like all the Markarth shit. I did the little Forsworn quest line there. Where you go to the prison, the Sidna Mine prison. So yeah, I'm having a good time. I'm not really like I haven't been progressing the main story or like um, the companions thing because I don't want to be a werewolf because being a werewolf is annoying. 
and I did, I got a bugged quest. I don't remember if I talked about this last time or not, because I tried it again and it still didn't work. But the quest where you go and get the staff that, like, sucks dreams or whatever, and it does a bunch of damage, it's okay. the um, the Miasma quest. Okay. I think it's in Mark, yeah, I think it's, or it's in uh, Dawnstar, maybe. But uh, that one's bugged out, like, the dude just stands there, and he won't do what he's, he needs to do. And I tried to go back to it to see if, hey, I let a bunch of time pass, will it fix? And no, it won't. So, not getting all the Daedric artifacts. That sucks. It is what it is. Um, yeah, it's fun. I I had I had a lighting and weathers mod that was just really dark. And so I wanted to try a different one, tried that one, and I'm liking it more. The colors are more saturated, and the weathers are a little more varied than the other one. But at night, and especially like in caves and stuff, it's just still super dark. And it's just annoying, because like on PC, with all these lighting and effects mods, you have different versions. You can say like, oh, make it less dark at night. But on PS4, there aren't. it's not modular. It's just like you install the mod, it is what it is, I can't adjust right. that stuff. Which is really frustrating because it makes the game look awesome. Like all the colors are so much cooler and like there are extra, it's like super foggy or this one is really nice because it, it adjusts the far away stuff and makes it more like a painting. So it seems more high fidelity because like, you know, on console, if you look at the mountains really far in the distance, it's super muddy and gross. Yeah. But this changes it so that it's a little it's a little bit more of like an artistic rendering of what it would look like, and it's not the actual thing. So it just looks a lot better. Like the vistas look a lot nicer because of that. So I really like the might the lighting mod, but nighttime is just a bummer. It's so fucking dark. And I don't want to use a torch. I don't want to use the candlelight spell every 30 seconds. It's just That's super annoying. So whatever. Um after you talking all the stuff about Minecraft two episodes ago, I really wanted to play Minecraft. So I started a new world, and I played it for like two hours, and I'm kind of playing like a wanderer guy. Like, I don't really want to settle down anywhere. I'm just kind of running, and I'll, eventually I'll find the perfect spot. But then you invited me to your realm server. And yeah, so buddy. I was like, well, I'm probably not going to play the single player world again because <laughs> there's no real reason to. So I hopped in the realms. You and I goofed around for a little bit, and then I kind of went off on my own. And I've played a little bit just caving. I found a jungle, which I know you guys had been looking for for a while. So I have some jungle saplings and stuff. But I found this just, you know, huge ravine cave system. And I have like eight full stacks of iron uh, ore that are ready to be smelted. Just like a ton, a ton of shit. And I haven't played it in like over a week. And so I don't remember how I got down there. And so I'm just going to have to... Dig your way up. Yeah, dig my way up, I guess, next time I go in. So I don't really know what my goals are in that world. Um, I might, I don't know, I'm, I'm probably going to start my own little area that is like near where you guys are, and I'll make it themed so it's still appropriate, but I don't yeah. know. I am I need to explore what you guys have done a little more first, okay. uh, and then see what I can do to, to be beneficial. But yeah, yeah, we can always like hook them together with like another portal or whatever. Right, right. Um, and then finally, I did want to actually play something new. And so it was the other morning, I think it was like maybe last weekend or something, when Penny and Kelly were still asleep in the morning. And I was like, ooh, I have some time solo. So I started, or I guess I bought the Crash Bandicoot collection from the Days of Play sale that Sony was doing around E3. And I also bought the season pass for Destiny 2 Forsaken, which I have not touched because I'm super smart. Uh, 
And so I played the first island of Crash Bandicoot Collection, which is like six to seven levels in a little okay. boss battle. Um, those With games the aren't River good. Roo. They're not fun. Those games are not fun. It's all ah. just trial and error, and it is. I die a lot when I don't think it was fair of like that thing didn't touch me or he didn't jump when I told him to jump. And it just, I found them to be very tedious. And so I spent $20 on the Crash Bandicoot collection and I have no interest in playing more of the Crash Bandicoot collection. That sucks. I like Crash Bandicoot. I feel like I played the original PS1 version sometime in the last couple years and enjoyed it. Yeah. I just don't think I ever liked it, especially when you're riding on the animals. Like that's yeah, just like wild. it's just memorizing patterns, and that's just not that's not fun. Like it's not that's not a game mechanic. Eh. I don't know. I did not like it. It looks great. It looks like you know Does what it? Toys for Bob did with the Spyro remaster, oh, where it right, just right. it looks. I mean, it looks like it could be a modern game, but not fun. Okay. But hey, there's a new thing that I played. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that came out last year. <laughs> that is a Yikes. remake of a game from PlayStation 1. <laughs> Woohoo. Dang. So what about you? Um, so I've been on a survival game kick. I played Subsistence, Raft, and Desert Skies, which are all survival games. Um, Subsistence, I believe I've talked about before. That one is interesting in that... Uh, the grind, like the loop, is r- just really, really good. You're running around the world. You're finding loot boxes um, with different loot tables in them, and you open them up and you get good stuff. You're also harvesting wood from trees, harvesting plants, using mm-hmm. all that stuff to make other stuff and put it all together. Hunting animals, like you have to, like your protein and your fruits and veggies are different meters that affect your total stamina. So you got to keep those up. You got to keep hydrated, all that kind of stuff. Um, and now they added where if you gut an animal, your hands get dirty. And if you don't clean your hands off in like a river or a water source or with your canteen, after a certain amount of time, you could get an infection. So Gross. you avoid that. Um, so now I try to kill animals by sources of water so I can wash my hands right away. Um, you got to like boil your water to clean it. Or you mm. can find bottles of water that are already purified in the loot stuff. So you're hunting animals. Some animals are um, passive. Uh, some are hostile, like the bears and wolves and cougars. Or no, it's, I think it's a mountain lion. Are hostile. They just added... Uh, so there are deer, and you need their antlers to make glue. Um, but now there are moose. And they will initially run away after you hit them the first time. But then if you follow them and hit them again... Maybe it's if, just if you get them past a certain amount of health. But this is just the pattern that has been happening for me. If you follow them and hit them again with, like, a bow or a gun or whatever, they will then charge you and do <laughs> a lot of damage. But they have really big antlers, so you get more antler material. Okay. And they're the only animal, I think, so far that you can get a rack of ribs from, which you need a special uh, appliance. Like, you need the actual oven in your base to be able to uh, to cook those properly. And, like, they, he, they've added a bunch of different recipes for foods that give you better saturation and i think some buffs and stuff because they added uh they also added where if you're eating cooked food like food that you have prepared even if it's just cooked meat then you're gaining like there's a meter on your stamina and a meter on your health and those go up very slightly with each prepared food that you eat depending on the food what it is some does more health some does more stamina but that gives you permanent increases once it fills the bar each time 
when you die, you lose a couple levels of each mm. of those. So it's like really behooves you to stay alive. Um, it just kind of makes the dying hurt a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess they just added like diving gear and like underwater caves and stuff. Um, so they, they've been adding stuff steadily to that game. But that another big part of the game is uh, AI hunters. I have them turned off because I just want to play like hunter gatherer right now. And then once I've got my stuff built up and I've kind of gotten to the end of the progression tree um, without like getting better weapon parts and stuff, then I'll go ahead and add them in. Um, and like, it's nice because you can customize the settings. Like uh, on default, they will launch occasional raids on your base mm-hmm. and like cause damage to your base. I don't want to do that. I just made my base look pretty. I didn't like upgrade it to be the nicest materials. I'm making, okay. making it out of glass um, because I'm right on a waterfall and it looks mm. awesome. So mm-hmm. I want to be able to like see all around me. So my house is mostly glass. It's like I don't want them to raid my base. I can turn that off. Um, I can also turn off like roaming hunters because there are some hunters that will just have a campfire or some hunters that will actually build bases over time. Mm-hmm. Um and then you can like assault the bases and get really good gear if you break through and kill them or whatever. So like that's a whole other half of the game that I'm not engaged with on this okay. current save because um, I'm not like I'm not beefed up as much as I want to be. So looking forward to that. Um, that's subsistence. And then I tried Desert Skies, which is in very early early access, where um, you basically have a hot air balloon and it's like tremors. Like, when you land down on an area, if you make too much noise, um, like, either walking while not crouching or, like, stepping on stones, interacting with, like, uh, like opening furniture and containers and stuff to look for things, um, the more noise you make, the more likely it is that this creature will spawn mm. uh, and then, like, chase you and you have to hop on your hot air balloon, escape it, and, like, fly away and go to the next area. But since you're on a hot air balloon, you're kind of at the whims of the wind, so, it, it it feels like you're going different directions a lot of the time, but really it's just like a it's really on like a track kind of thing. Okay, um, that takes you to different areas. Um, it seems like they're gonna have some sort of a story because, pardon me, I I played through, like I made it all the way through, and they've had some updates since then, but I played it all the way through. I beat it in about three hours, uh, up to what they had. Like they were like they were hinting at some like like researching the creatures and what they're like where they came from what their weaknesses are and stuff and then I like flew out over this open plane because it's only ever one creature that's like chasing okay you. and then I flew out over this one plane and then it was like the whole plane was just like the creatures <laughs> staring at me and wow. then it was like done for now like the story will continue so that was like a fun moment but it's a survival game where you're you have food and water. And you're building out this um, hot air balloon raft. You can okay. like, make it multiple levels, uh, and um, like kind of build it out. There's like crafting stations that you're making and other stuff like that. Um, so that I think that game has a lot of promise. It's also like a very like potatoy art mm-hmm. um, aesthetic, which I really like. I'm a sucker for that kind of pastel colors, really simple geometries mm-hmm. for things. I like that style. Um, and then I played Raft, which is uh, you're on a raft in the ocean, and you are 
sailing with the tide and debris is floating by you and you pick up the debris in the water and that allows you to build out your raft and craft things. You're getting food from barrels. You can then fish by making a fishing rod from the stuff, the driftwood that you find. Uh, and then you got to like boil your water and every once in a while a shark will attack you. You got to fight off the shark. Eventually you'll be able to kill the shark and then eat its meat, put its head up on a wall as a trophy. There are now islands that you can come across. Um, and there's like, you can put a sail uh, on your raft, so you can, like, sail in different directions. There are anchors, so you can stop off at an island. All this other stuff. Uh, there are other rafts that you'll come across with, like, they don't have people on them. Like, they clearly died. But it's, like, yeah. this derelict raft with, like, a container you can loot. Stuff like that. So... So you're kind of... With that, you're kind of at the whims of where the tide's taking you? Like, yeah, you aren't choosing you where you go? Yeah, until you get, like, a sail and a paddle. Okay. And then you can kind of go where you want, more or less just faster in one direction. The big problem with raft is when you come into contact with another raft or an island and you bump into it, your raft turns because it's it's physics applied. Like if your corner catches on an island, your raft turns, and now your raft is like facing a different way for the, with the tides and can be oh. at like a weird angle. So like I initially built my raft really wide. Because there are these structures you can build that are like nets, and they catch things automatically, so you don't have to pick mm-hmm. them up by hand anymore, um, or like catch them with a grappling hook and pull them in. Um, and so my whole setup was in one direction, and then I hit an island and I turned, and now no, like all of a sudden I'm like uh, fin side on, so I'm like and there's no way to anything. turn it yourself, right? Unless mm-hmm. I like purposely make it hit another island in a way that will make it turn the way i want it to go so like that's something they need is like a rudder um some way to adjust that um but yeah so those are the survival games that i played i'm still playing the elder scrolls blades i have a Mm -hmm. silver chest that's going to open in six and a half minutes very important stuff i'm level 41 i've just gotten into the ebony tier of gear it's good stuff you should play still have it downloaded haven't started it it's fun. But I still have Blades downloaded. I also downloaded the Harry Potter Wizards Unite. Haven't I've, started it, I've but I downloaded it. I've heard that a lot of like the energy stuff in that game is a little aggressive. Oh, you, really? You can't I am shocked by this want. information. Yeah, I know. Um, and then I played Stardew Valley, trying to get points for the sale. And then I yep. started uh, another run through of Resident Evil 4 on PC. I'm a <laughs> because sucker. why not? Yeah, because why the hell not? It's summer. It's your Skyrim. <laughs> it's yeah, exactly. It's summer. I've got to play Resident Evil Four. Yeah, well, that's fun. Um, I actually watched some new stuff. So we did. I finished Seinfeld, which was a big bummer. And then I was like, now fucking what? So I started Parks and Rec, which is going to be my background show. But I also started Venture Brothers, which is my nice. I need to kill a half hour with Penny, but I'm going to be more engaged. I only watched the first episode, which is actually like. Because, okay, because here's what it is. They added a bunch of Adult Swim stuff to Hulu. Oh. Which I guess is new, because I hadn't seen this stuff in a while. Like, I, have they, have C-Lab, they have C-Lab 2021 on there. Nice. I bet you, I'm sure they have a bunch of other Adult Swim stuff, so they must have had they a have relatively Aquatine? new deal. Uh, certainly possible. Huh. Yeah. But I'm super pumped about Venture Brothers, because I only watched through, like, season five, and then I just wasn't watching it because I didn't have cable and I wasn't going to go buy the DVDs. Yeah, well, I and there, only there have been like with you, so yeah. I, I, I then would have stopped as well. There's been like seven or eight seasons, so I haven't seen any of the really recent stuff. That show got 
I, I started liking it less because of the way the storylines went. Like, they stopped utilizing certain characters as much. Like, Brock kind of goes away for a while. And I don't know if it was just because Patrick Warburton was doing a bunch of things and so they had to write him out for a bit or what. But, I don't know. The, the, the dynamics of the relationships and the characters changed, like, really drastically from season to season. And so okay. some of that stuff I didn't like as much. But that show is, like, one of my most favorite underrated adult animated shows which i guess is that's a lot of qualifiers but it's just fucking brilliant i love that show to death so i watched the first episode the other day and i'm super pumped to continue watching it yeah i'm still watching smallville i'm halfway through season three now i'm watching it less frequently uh just because that's a like i'm in a spot where i can feed penny or get her to go to sleep and it doesn't take me 42 minutes and so then i'm kind of like stuck watching half an episode of smallville when i could be doing something more active so i just haven't been watching it as much um but it is funny because like i know i fully recognize that it is dumb and it is a bad poorly written and acted show it's fun because it's superman and it's dc and the freak of the week thing is just a fun concept but for funsies i am finding myself getting involved in like the drama that's happening of like Lana, who's the love interest, she keeps... And this is part of the show because it's just really poorly written. And characters are really unjustified. Like, they'll, her, her, Lana and Clark will have a fight because he's like, hey, don't trust this guy that's, like, flirting with you. There's something wrong about him. And she's like, Clark, no, you're just jealous. I don't believe you. And then turns out, yeah, he is evil. And Clark saves her at the last second. And she's <laughs> like, Clark, I'm really sorry. I should trust you. I know you're only have. I know you only looking out for me and you care about me and blah, blah, blah. And then in the next episode, the same thing happens. <laughs> like, she's dating some guy. Clark's like, dude, he's bad business. She's like, Clark, you're just jealous. Like, let me live my life. And then Clark was right and he saves her life at the last second and she's like clark i'm really sorry about not trusting you again and i'm like lana you're the worst like i'm not even looking at it i know i'm not even looking at it like oh this show is just poorly written i'm actually saying oh your character lana you're being stupid there's a whole <laughs> subplot and this was like late in season two i think where clark's mom gets a job working for lex's dad lionel luther who's like the big bad guy in the show yeah. Why, like, in the the Kents hate him. He is, like, he's researching Clark. He's trying to figure out what's going on. He's, like, manipulating people in the in this, the town. He shut down a power plant. So, like, hundreds of locals, including Clark's best friend's dad, got laid off. And yet she's going to go be his personal assistant. And Clark's like, Mom, why would you do this? She's like, this job's really, I, I'm really passionate about this job. It's important to me. Don't judge me for this. And I'm like... In zero worlds out of a million worlds would Superman's mom work for the bad guy. It's just like, and they only did it because it causes drama and they can find a way. And like, they wrote themselves out of that after like four episodes. But it's just like, some of the stuff is just so fucking stupid. But I don't care. It's fun. And in, um, it was at, at the end of season two, early into season three. Clark really is starting to learn more about his like Kryptonian roots and they have they had Christopher Reeves guest star in an episode as this like scientist who knows a lot about Krypton oh, and fun. that stuff like that was like goosebumps inducing kind of stuff where Clark is like he's in these caves and he sees all these Kryptonian symbols and he he's had this like little octagonal disc 
that has Kryptonian symbols on it. And he was like, what is this for? And then he sees a hole in the cave wall that's the same shape. And he puts it in there and it like, he gets all, he learns all this stuff. And then Jor-El, who is also voiced by the dude who played Jor-El in the original Superman movies... He's like, Clark, you're my son. I, you're here for this reason, blah, blah, blah. And all that stuff is, like, legitimately cool. And then it so goes right back to Lana. Yeah, being exactly. Like, yes. the worst judge of character. <laughs> totally. <laughs> it is really funny, too, to see all of these um, guest stars in episodes of, like, either people who became somewhat famous afterwards or... Be- ended up starring in another shitty CW show. So, like, The Vampire Diaries, which is a show I was on when I first moved to Atlanta a lot. The two main dudes were both in episodes of Smallville at different points. Oh, okay. I don't know. I may have mentioned this before, but Evangeline Lilly, she was an extra in a couple episodes of Smallville. Really? <laughs> yeah, they're, like, at a coffee shop, and we I was watching it, and Kelly was, like, doing something in the kitchen or whatever, and it just, like, pans by, and there's Evangeline Lilly walking by in the background. I was like, holy shit. Weird. And I looked it up on IMDb, and sure enough, like, she was, or she had a fake uncredited character name in, like, yeah. three episodes, but I was like, that's so random, because she is so much more successful than anyone else on the show. And oh, she yeah. was an extra in the background for a couple episodes. That's fun. So that was yeah. Dream was, big, was people. Yes. Uh, never Although, give may, up. Maybe don't be <laughs> like colloquially. I have heard that she is not the easiest person to get along with. So don't oh, really? be like that. <laughs> I mean, she's not a very good actor, but she is extremely good looking. Yeah. Because that was going to be my point of like, if you want to be an actor, don't give up on your dreams unless you aren't insanely attractive. If you are not insanely attractive, you should you definitely should give, give up, up yeah. on your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> or at least like navigate away from anything CW related. True. True. Be a character actor. Uh, we finished season five of Sons of Anarchy. And we decided to take a little bit of a pause because we wanted to watch some other stuff. So we watched... The three new episodes of Black Mirror, which were all bad because most of the episodes of that show are bad now. Okay. The first one is called Striking Vipers. It is about video games, which was initially interesting, but it's actually more about a dude who's kind of gay for his best friend and they explore their sexuality through a video game. That's right. what it is. And it was just dumb. I thought the actors did a nice job, but, like, the whole concept... It's like a Street Fighter game in VR, and so you are the other... Like, you are the character you play, and so, like, oh, they're fighting at first, and then that some... Like, one of them is a male character, and one of them is a female character, and so they're fighting, and that, like, slowly evolves into they fuck, and then it's just like In a, VR? In VR as video game characters. Right. Which is, it, it was weird too because the chick video game character plays Mantis from Guardians of the Galaxy. The chick with the antennae who yeah. like controls brains or whatever. Yeah. That's that actress. And the dude video game character played the Black Ranger in the new Power Rangers movie. Weird. And boy howdy is he unbelievably terrible. And that's part of what made the episode not work. Is because the main actors, it's like it's it's a, a husband and wife, and then his best friend. All three of them are awesome. Actually, the main dude plays Fal- uh, no, yes, plays Falcon in the Avengers movies. Okay, and they're all really really good, and all the like complexity of like 
them like because the two dudes it's like are we actually attracted to each other is it just because of these hot video game avatars like and we're having sex virtually with a man and a woman are we into each other as men like in that that part of it is really fascinating but the video game characters which is where a lot of the scenes take place and a lot of like emotional connection takes place are just really poorly acted and so that totally breaks down the whole thing that's a bummer it's also really cheesy, and the the ending of it is also much like most Black Mirror shows. The endings of the, these episodes are usually really dark, but with this one, it's more just, like, fucked up. Because in the end, like, the husband comes clean to the wife about what they're doing, and she's like, that's, that's cool with it. Go fuck your best friend in a video game, but I'm also gonna go start having affairs with dudes. And so they're like, okay, great. And so he's fucking his best friend in a video game while his wife is fucking real dudes in the real world. And like that, they're like, yeah, everything is perfect. And I just hate, 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 hate that pitch. A lot of shows do this now with marriages where they're like, open marriages are fine. As long as you still love each other, it's okay to fuck other people. And I'm like, no, it isn't at all. That's not what marriage is, period. It is not a discussion. This is not an opinion. It literally is against what marriage is if you want to fuck other people don't be married and do that so that pisses me off and that was the end of this episode well all right people like may i think it's okay that marriage means different things to different people i'm not going to tell people how to run their marriages but what i will say don't get married before you've had a discussion like that I don't... That's what I will say. I just don't think... I think that people are... That whole, like, defining what marriage means to you, that is still wrong. Like, you can do whatever you want, but I think you are wrong. I don't... Like, that, to me, that is not what a marriage... A marriage is a commitment to one other person. That is literally the whole point of marriage. If you are not only committed to one other person, why would you marry them? Yeah, but for some people commitment means different things right like but but that is sexual commitment doesn't necessarily preclude emotional commitment but the large the larger thing is shows portray this as if like yay this is their status quo and now they're happy and i'm like no they fucking aren't that's not gonna last because it never does sure something will invariably happen that will fuck up this beautiful i'm gonna have sex with whoever i want world and shows don't portray that side of it they're like, right. oh, yeah, it's okay to, for them to have affairs because they're both on board with it. And I'm just like, no, dude, that's just not how it works. Right. So anyway, that was the first episode. It was the best of the three, but it still wasn't very good. Second episode is called Smithereens. It is a dude who he's played by the guy that plays Moriarty and Sherlock, who is a brilliant actor. And yeah, the episode he's really is, good. The episode is saved by him. Because it's it's not a particularly interesting episode, but he is so good that it's still like enthralling to watch. It's basically like he kidnaps someone because he's trying to get in touch with the CEO of a big social media company because he blames, well, you think he blames the social media company for his wife dying. And a bunch of stuff happens where you find out more complicated things. I won't really spoil it just because somebody wants to watch it. But I don't know. It, there's a really dumb cliffhanger. Of like, because the police find him, obviously. He's in a car, stranded in a field. And like, he has the hostage. 
and he's going to let the hostage go. And there's like a little bit of a scuffle. You don't know what's going on. And he ends up talking to the CEO and they want to let him go, blah, blah, blah. But he wants to die. Like he decides like, oh, I want to die now. And so like it shows the police and he's in the car and he has a gun and the police have a gun. And then you hear a gunshot and then it shows a bunch of reactions of people. But not actually what happened from the gunshot. Which I just think is a really lame cliffhanger. To me, like, a good cliffhanger is something happens and you don't see what the result is. Like, what the, what the, uh, um, what's the word? Like, what the fallout is of the thing. But in this instance, it's like a thing happens, but we aren't going to tell you what the thing is. And that just, to me, is a really lazy, bad cliffhanger. That's weird. So that was annoying. And then the final episode... So I did. I have a ranking of every Black Mirror episode, which I need to add these three. I think this last episode is the worst episode of Black Mirror. And the episode that up until this point has been the worst episode of Black Mirror is so terrible. I was like, no episode will ever be as bad as this episode. It's impossible. And I'm pretty sure this new one is way worse. <laughs> it stars Miley Cyrus. So that's about all the information you need there. But it... So it... I I I don't even know how to describe this episode. And as we were watching it, I pretty much within the first five minutes knew that it was going to be really dumb. And Kelly was like getting frustrated at me. She's like, "Let it let it play out. Like let's see where it goes." And slowly, she started to learn that. Oh no, this really is awful. <laughs> it's basically like Miley Cyrus is a pop star. She has an AI doll of her that you can buy to be your best friend. And so there's a loser girl at school who doesn't have friends. And so she buys the Miley Cyrus doll to be her friend. You find out that Miley Cyrus's pop star happy-go-lucky persona is just a marketing cover-up for a girl who is super depressed and on drugs and blah, blah, blah. Just like the real Miley Cyrus. (laughs) Uh, And so... She goes into a coma, which to the world was because she had an allergic reaction to shellfish, which is a hilarious thing. When in fact, her adoptive mother, who is also her manager, aka controlling her life, puts her into a coma because she no longer wants to play along and wants to do her own dark, grungy, emotional music instead of the super pop star music. And so there are multiple scenes of Miley Cyrus performing the dark grungy music and like sitting in front of a piano and like singing and like bearing her soul. And the issue is Miley Cyrus isn't talented. And so her like legit singing is bad. So like that whole she could be successful as a raw artist isn't believable Because she's bad at it. Like, if they got a legitimately talented artist to do both and play both sides, that could have been interesting. But Miley Cyrus is terrible, and so I don't believe it for a second. And then there's a whole thing where, like, she's in this coma, and all of the dolls die. Like, their batteries die out. But this girl's doll somehow stays alive, and somehow Miley Cyrus's consciousness goes into the doll, so it's no longer AI, but it's actually Miley Cyrus, and they go on this big caper to save Miley Cyrus from the coma. Is it like a life-size doll? No, it's like it's oh. like small. 
It's like a little, tiny little robot thing with wheels. Oh, my. It's so fucking stupid. And it's like... I, it's like they, they're trying to make it a little tongue-in-cheek, like a little bit Goonies-esque. Like, oh, we know this is kind of dumb, but it's fun. But it isn't fun. It's just bad. It's an, it's It sucks ass. It's a really bad episode. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a fourth wall-breaking moment where, like, the mom... The, she, gets, she gets caught, right? Of, like, she gets caught out because they bring the real Miley Cyrus to confront her in front of this big studio of people and like she looks at the camera and goes fuck it just out of for no reason just out of nowhere (laughs) like and that isn't even the end of the episode it was just like so much of it is so stupid so that was black mirror pretty underwhelming season overall uh do you think that's what the writers did well it's one dude they looked it's one dude that has written most of the episodes he just looked at the camera and said fuck it yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> we also watched Chernobyl, which is a new HBO miniseries that released uh, when Game of Thrones was airing. And I've seen a bunch of memes of like people being pissed at Game of Thrones or being pissed at HBO because Game of Thrones and Game of Thrones like cowering in a corner like, here, take Chernobyl, please. <laughs> because Chernobyl is really fucking good. Okay. Uh, it's like a five episode miniseries. It's about the actual events of Chernobyl and the USSR. And, and you know, because it's a TV adaptation of a real-life event, a lot of the stuff has been tweaked and is not as accurate as a documentary would, would be. But it's just really, really engrossing uh, just to see how much fucked-up shit happened and the way that, like, the USSR was more concerned about covering up their mistake and not saving lives. And just like the implication of there was a thing that happened where they tried to solve the problem and they didn't think about the, the oh, this could cause another problem that could be worse. And like if that worse thing did happen, a billion people would have died. Like Whoa. because of the radiation and the way that it would spread through the water and the, the soil and the animals, like a billion people would have died. Whoa. And it was just like, and they ended up being able to solve that thing. But like, I was like, holy fuck. Because, you know, there have been estimates about how many people, how many lives were lost as a result of the actual explosion, as well as the radiation, the long-term effects, how it caused cancer, all that stuff. And like, the the estimations are all of like, could be as low as 6,000 people, could be as high as like 93,000 people. But they maintain the government, which granted doesn't exist in the same form anymore because the USSR doesn't exist, but they maintain that the only death toll were the people actually working at the plant when it exploded, which was like 36 people. And it's like, really? It's not how radiation works or responsibility. Yeah, so it was, I mean, it's fascinating. And what was cool early on is it's a bunch of like totally unknown people, like actors, and so that makes it much more believable because you're not like, oh, there's this famous actor playing this guy. Right. Stellan Skarsgård is in it, who is, I mean, he's incredible. He plays one of the main characters. And so once he comes in and there's there's another, there's a female actress that I recognize. I couldn't tell you her name. But um, so like once those characters come in, it, be, it feels more like a TV show. But in those first like two episodes, it really feels like it's just like a recreation of this thing and not a TV show. And it, that just makes it, it's... It's really, really good. If you have HBO, you should absolutely watch it. We loved it. On the complete opposite side of the coin, The Lonely Island, Andy Samberg's little like comedy trio, 
they released a Netflix something called the Unauthorized Bash Brothers Experience, which is like a it's like it's like I think it's like fifteen minute music video album thing. It's real weird. It's about um, Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco from the late 80s when they played for the Oakland Athletics. And they were just like, they were called the Bash Brothers because they hit tons of home runs. There's these big jacked up dudes. And this is right when steroids started to come out in the late 80s. And they were kind of like the forefront of that. I don't know where this came from. Like, I don't know what made them come up with this or do this or like what the relevance of it was but it it was i mean it was it's a rap album where they play the two dudes but it's very meta it's so weird if you aren't, like the lonely island aren't they the ones who do the um the comedy rap battles of history or whatever no they're not those guys no um uh it's it's so so weird. Kelly loved it cuz it's like super her sense of humor, just like really random like toilet humor, just weird shit. I was more like stunned by the <laughs> like like it was it was like an inexplicable like what the hell is this thing? But it was really fascinating to watch cuz it's so weird. I don't even know how to explain it more than that. And then finally, So You Think You Can Dance is back. We are really excited about it. Uh, It has, because this is season 16 of the show now. And one of the things I always loved about it was it was about the dancing. It wasn't about this drama. It wasn't about these bullshit backstories, sob stories. It was about the most talented dancers. And now it's starting to be a little bit more about people with sob stories. That's a bummer. Because in the last season, they had a girl on there with a prosthetic leg, which was cool to see, and she wasn't good enough, and they didn't put her on the show. That was one of the reasons I respected it so much. They put her on the te- they put her on TV, they made a whole thing about like how inspiring it is that she came out, but they were like, but I'm sorry, you're not good enough, you're not going to be on the show. And that was one of the things I loved, because they weren't pandering. And I wouldn't say that they're necessarily pandering this time around, but each episode has at least one person on it that has some sort of sob story. There was an episode about a lady that auditioned and she was like eight months pregnant. And it was actually super fucked up because she did a jump split to end it. And so she like jumps in the air and does a split and her stomach like almost hits the ground. And I was just like, Kelly and I were like, holy shit, like she belongs in jail. That's not okay. Like this isn't funny. This isn't cool. That's not okay to do. But there's one about, you know, there's a chick that has alopecia. And so she's like totally bald. And she was actually incredible. She made it through the show. But like more of the focus was on all the bullying she had, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, like, I get it, man. I get it. A lot of people out there have a lot harder lives than me. But like... There are a lot of people out there with harder lives than this person, too. So just this whole focus on, like, that's just not what this show is about. I don't need that shit. And it just, I don't know, it it, it just bums me out. Because this was the last bastion of a show that's actually about talent. And it's starting to not feel as much about talent. 
There was a dude on there that did a salsa dance, but he did it by himself because the salsa is obviously a partner dance. And he wasn't good. And he was like a little bit socially awkward, but he didn't even have a sob story. Like he didn't have cancer. Like his mom didn't die. Like there was nothing wrong with him. He was just kind of lame and did a salsa dance by himself. And he wasn't good. So instead of saying, like, one, instead of not putting him on TV, period, because who gives a shit? He's just a guy who isn't very good at dancing. And instead of saying, oh, I'm sorry, yeah, you're not good enough, like, deuces, they spent, like, an extra five minutes being like, are there any women in the audience that can salsa dance? And they went and found a woman, and then they went and had her dance with him and played played a song so that the two of them could dance awkwardly together. And they were like, hey, yeah, see? Isn't it so much better dancing with someone else? Sorry you're still not good enough, but good luck to you. And so this whole segment of just a guy who was not good at dancing got like 10 minutes of this episode. And instead... All of the people who are really fucking incredible got like little click. Oh, oh, while we were away, here are the eight dancers that did make it onto the show that are way better that we're going to show you five second clips from. Instead, we're going to show you 10 minutes of this guy who is bad at dancing. And that's super, super frustrating. And I don't understand. Like, I don't know why we need this shit. I don't know why we need this like participation trophies in a competition show like this. It's lame. Doesn't sound very good. It isn't. But the rest of the show is good. Like a lot of people on it are good. I like watching the dancing. But that's shit. It annoys me. Yeah. So while you guys were in town, uh, we watched a little movie called Don't Knock Twice. Because everybody wanted to watch a horror movie except me. Because horror movies are stupid. But I acquiesced. And so they aren't the one stupid, that we could have... you're just afraid of them. But this one wasn't even that scary. It, it was wasn't. Dumb. So this was the one we could agree on. It starred the chick from the new Battlestar Galactica show. Yeah, she like, plays honestly, Starbuck. didn't even do that much in this, no. I'm realizing. It was just a bad movie. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> and we just kind of made fun of it the whole time, which was fun. Yeah. Admittedly. That's the benefit of watching horror movies in groups. Is yeah. you're you're always just making fun of it. Yeah. And I know you guys also watched a bunch of other horror movies. Yeah, so my wife and I, we've been on a huge horror movie kick. So we watched The Final Destination. And then we realized that that was not the first Final Destination, so then we right. watched Final Destination. <laughs> okay. Uh turns out those movies it's there's a formula. Uh it's weird Duh. though. It's really weird that like in the final destination, it's like this precognition thing that he like sees the future and he's like avoiding stuff. But hmm. in final destination, it's like there's like a force or an entity right. at work. Like fate right. is a physical force. Yeah. And they don't really address that in the final destination, but it's very much a thing in final destination. So I'm sure my wife and I will watch the other ones that are in between uh, and I'll see where that goes. Uh, she and I watched every single paranormal activity movie. All nine of them? Um, there were five or six. Six. Six Man, of gotta them. Gotta milk that for all it's worth. Um The first I mean the first one's a classic. Uh, it's not good, but it's a classic. <laughs> and uh <laughs> um the second one it's weird because like they keep pulling characters back in and like you'll see them and be like, mm mm, uh uh-uh, uh, not good. 
Not good. Mm. And, like, they play around with the timeline a lot, too. But it has a lot to do with, like, this particular family and this thing that's following them. Um, so, like, that's fun that they have this thing that connects all the movies. Um, I would say what they do with that thing is inconsistent and kind of stupid. Yeah. Um, but we watched all of them. So, <laughs> and we, we, we had to pay to rent, like, the last four of them. So it was, like, 12 or like 14 or $15. Whatever. It was... We killed time. Um, and then my wife and I watched Truth or Dare, which was really bad. Like, really okay. stupid and bad and dumb. Um, we watched Green Room, which has Patrick Stewart. Yeah, I remember seeing a trailer for that one. He plays a neo-Nazi. Awesome. He says the N-word. Role of a lifetime. And that made me very uncomfortable. He says what? The N-word. Interesting. Uh, uh, twice, I think. The N-word dope. Um, is what he's referring to when he says it. Um, I'm not going to lie. A little bit of me broke on the inside when that happened. Because <laughs> uh, Jean-Luc Picard is my man, and he would never, well, never say something like that. It's, it's also a different okay. character. <laughs> but Patrick Stewart is just Jean-Luc Picard okay. in my brain. Um yeah, that movie was the movie itself was actually kind of okay. There was just a lot of really dumb stuff, and it wasn't really like a horror movie. It was more like a thriller mm-hmm. thing. Um, uh, we watched 1922, which is based on a Stephen King novel. Right, that was really strange, and it felt very long. Even though it was only like an hour and a half, it felt like three hours long. Um, there was that's there, the one. It's like on a farm, right? Yeah, yeah. the performances in it were really good. Yeah. It was just very long, and like the the moments went on just a little too long each time. That's disappointing. I remember seeing that and being legitimately interested, just because it looked like it was high quality. It is like like their their performances are very good. Um, yeah. But, like, there are some sequences and some moments that go on a little too long. And just, like, in typical Stephen King fashion, there's, like, there's some weird surrealist thing going on. And you don't know if it's mental or if it's actually happening or whatever. Um, So there's some strange aspects um, to that film. Um, Then there, we watched The Woman in Black 2, uh, which sucked. And it wasn't scary at all. Is that with Daniel Radcliffe? So the first one is. Uh, this is the second one, which is and not. And they didn't want to pay him again. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, that first one's also not good because that's Daniel Radcliffe before he was better. Um, oh, I forgot to put. Speaking of Daniel Radcliffe, we also watched. I think that's the name of the movie. Uh, I'll talk about that in a second. And then we watched The Black Coat's Daughter, which has the girl who plays Sabrina in the new Netflix Sabrina series. Okay. Um, that movie was really fucked up. She can she can be pretty creepy when she wants to be. It also has a really hot chick in it. <laughs> uh, so that was good. And then we, uh, <laughs> my wife and I watched Tusk. So... So, I'm just going to say maybe don't watch Tusk unless you like Human Centipede. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember you telling me about this one. And I think... I th- By the name of the movie... So, 
going by the name of the movie, I kind of figured that's what it was going to be. I would assume it's like a historical biopic about someone that tries to save elephants from poachers. No, and it's not elephants. It's, it's not a, that. It's another tusked animal. Uh, a boar? No. What other animals More have tusks? More aquatic. Cuckoo Kachu. Uh, the walrus. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Come on, man. I'm not a Beatles fan. Well, me neither, but mom's made us watch fucking across the universe enough times. That's true. Um, anyways, uh, maybe don't watch that movie. Um, who, who's in it? Is it? It's. Yeah, Justin Long is the main person. And was it Macaulay Culkin? No. No, it was the, it's the uh, other guy. Haley Joel Osmond. Haley Joel Osmond. That's right. Uh, Haley Joel Osmond is a round person now uh yeah he was on he was on a uh one of the ep- uh seasons of silicon valley yeah he he ballooned in a way that is similar to the way i did after high school mm-hmm. um so it's justin long and Haley joel osmond and then i thought um i from some of the like the image reel that goes in netflix like the little roulette wheel that it kind of plays of like trailers or whatever i thought the guy was brian cranston um, it yeah, was not, right. he just looks, he just kind of looks like him in a couple shots. This other dude does. And so I thought they that got, was intentional. I thought they got Brian Cranston in this yeah. movie. Well, then it's gotta be good, right? Oh yeah. And then, and then this other character comes on and he's talking and I'm like, I know who this is. I know who this is. And then it hits me. It's fucking Johnny Depp. And Wait. it was Johnny Depp. My, my wife was like, that's not Johnny Depp. It looks nothing like him. And I was like, listen to the way he's talking. Look at what he's doing. That's Johnny Depp. And it was Johnny Depp. He has Johnny all Depp this makeup this on. And he's playing like this Cana- like French Canadian police officer detective guy. It's And he's actually like really kind of funny and like off-putting and weird. Um, that movie's crazy. Fucking <laughs> bonkers. What's like? What's the what's the thirty second pitch? All right, thirty second pitch. Justin DeLong and uh, Haley Joel Osmond. Justin Long, yeah, DeLong, Tom DeLong, Justin Long and Haley Joel Osmond run a um, podcast titled "The Not Sea Party," <clears throat> and okay. uh, they think they're very funny, and they're not. They're both assholes. Uh, and Justin Long's whole sh- spiel is that he like travels. And then, because Haley Joel Osment won't, he travels and, like, finds interesting people and, like, tells their stories. So Justin Long gets a good lead on a story. He goes out there. It doesn't pan out for various reasons. And then he finds, in a, uh, attacked in front of a urinal, uh, an ad for some dude who wants to tell his story. So Justin Long goes to this dude's place in Canada who he, d- he doesn't know. I think it's in Canada. Yeah, it's in Canada. He doesn't know anything about this person. He just drives to their house out of nowhere and, like, goes to chat with them about their story. And then things happen. Um, I, like, I, I will. The, the dude tortures him. Like, what? what is What kind of horror movies? Is it paranormal? I told, I told you it's like the human centipede. And yeah. then I said the word walrus. And the movie is right. called Tusk. Okay. All right. I let your imagination go wild because i can tell you no, it's probably not you. gonna hit all of the things that this movie <laughs> does because holy shit 
It is messed up. Um, wow. There are some shots in that film uh, that are really something. Uh, and then, was it called Jungle? Is that the... Jungle. I th- yeah, I think the movie was just called Jungle. I don't remember. But it, it's starring Daniel Radcliffe. Mm-hmm. And he... All right. Daniel Radcliffe has become a really good actor over the course of his career in a way that has very much impressed me. Um, he plays some dude who's like... Russian or Czech or something. I don't know. Um, but he is like traveling the world. Uh, or no, he's Jewish. Yeah. Cause that's, that's like, yeah. yeah. Yo- Yossi, it's ba- This is based on a true story. His name is Yossi Ginsberg. Uh, and he's, he's, he's Jewish. Um, that's mm-hmm. right. But he has kind of an accent of like being from Russia or something. I don't know. Um, but he does a phenomenal job. And basically, he's, like, traveling the world, and he gets together with this group of people, and he meets some friends or whatever. And then he, this dude approaches him when they're in a city one day, and he's like, hey, I'm this cool, suave, Nathan Drake-like adventurer, Indiana Jones-type dude who's really cool and good-looking. And I'm going to lead you on a trek through the jungle uh, to see all the hidden ruins that you'll never see on this other tour. So they go with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and stuff happens. And Danny Radcliffe, Yossi Ginsberg, ends up on his own in the jungle for, like, a month. Uh, and so it's a lot about, like... How he survived. Yeah, how he manages to survive and uh, how he makes it back. Because Yossi Ginsberg does survive. He is found by one of his friends. Spoiler alert. Well, true story. So, Takes away all the tension. Well, yeah, I guess that's kind of true. But it's a true story. So, I guess... You Maybe would- they could take... You would have artistic to, liberty and actually kill him instead. Yeah, they, they survive. And maybe they do. <laughs> um, but that was actually a really good movie. I think it was just Jungle. I don't. Eh, whatever. That yeah. sounds right. Um, but it was actually really good. So mm-hmm. happy about that. And then while we were on vacation, uh, one of my favorite YouTubers, B Double O, B Double O One Hundred. He. So not to like get into his stuff, but this like he has talked about it a lot. So. It's not like personal info or whatever. I'm just a YouTube follower, and I know this stuff. So he has two daughters, and a little while ago he had a third daughter who had a lot of health issues. So she passed maybe like a day after she was born, uh, and that really deeply affected him. And so he kind of like took some time off, right? Um, and he was having a hard time like managing stuff and like he put up a couple videos of him like trying to do episodes and just like not really able to get through it just like really Mm -hmm. rough stuff Uh, and i think he's since taken that stuff down um but he's now back uh and doing videos again which is great because he did like a like one of the longest running build series of any youtuber in minecraft building with b-double-o and it's just fun to kind of see from point a to point b where like how he's grown as kind of like an artist in a lot of ways. Um, so that's fun. And he's got a great personality. So I'm happy that he's back. Yeah. I, I loved B double O when he started like, cause like YouTube changed, right? Like way, oh, yeah. way back in the like 2010, 11, 12, 13 range. It was a little more straightforward. And so when he was playing a game like Minecraft, it was very like, I'm building this is, I'm just talking for a half hour. That's it. Yeah. And as YouTube kind of changed, their 
way that they surfaced videos and like a lot of people that had a million subscribers were all of a sudden only getting a few dozen thousand views on videos because they weren't being surfaced. Like they just changed their algorithmical stuff. Yeah. A lot of these YouTubers went to Twitch instead. And Twitch is a very different animal because people can like donate live. And so I hate watching things on Twitch because it, it invariably devolves into like every three minutes them saying, thanks, blank, for the donation. Right. Let me say a quick thing instead of not actually doing what I'm doing in the video. Right. And that just is annoying. And it feels very like it's this idea of having to turn your personality up to like 500% and pretend to be over the top all time. Yeah. Because of someone like PewDiePie who defined that and became the most famous YouTuber of all time. Everyone just has to replicate that. Otherwise, no one's going to watch you. Right. Well, and it's not, to be clear... I don't like PewDiePie. It's not PewDiePie's fault. It's everyone else's fault for like for uh, valuing the disingenuous personalities like this, like larger than life. Like that's what we like to see, kind of thing. Fair enough, but he still did it. Yeah, like, but he, he did it because not, people like it. But he's not blameless. Like he still yeah. chose to do this, and it's really fucking annoying. But. It is. The point of the point I'm trying to make is once Beatable went to Twitch, I he was doing that stuff. And I did not want to watch that stuff because he would upload his Twitch streams to YouTube because he wasn't really posting on YouTube anymore because he was only doing it on Twitch because he was making way more money on Twitch right. than on YouTube. And I just didn't I wasn't enjoying that stuff because it felt very fake. And I was like, in my late twenties, I don't wanna see you acting like a teeny bopper, over the top personality bullshit. Because one of the things I loved about him was he talked about his building process, which was fun, and he told personal stories, and he just had a really engaging personality. Yeah. And both of those things went away on Twitch. Right. Because he didn't talk about his building, and he didn't talk about himself. He, like, talked about bullshit stuff uh, for, like, little kids. So once he came back to YouTube a little bit later, that kind of stayed. Like, he did a lot of his classic stuff, but his personality had changed, and the way that he presented himself felt fake now. And so I just wasn't into that. Yeah. And then obviously all the stuff happened with his family where he was really inconsistently posting. So I haven't tried to watch. I, I looked and I saw that he posted a couple of videos. Yeah. But even like looking at it, like the thumbnails and the titles of the episodes have that sense of desperation that is popular on YouTube now. Like everything has an exclamation point. Yeah. All of his facial reactions that he has in his thumbnails are him like, oh, crazy reaction where it's right. super over the top and annoying. And so I love B-double-O. He was my favorite YouTuber back in the day when I was watching a lot of Minecraft stuff. But he changed. I'm not saying he didn't need to change in order to continue doing this as a career. But that change is not something I like. And that is sad. But that's what it happens. I feel like yeah. I have outgrown the direction that, that B-double-O went was in opposition to what I was looking for. Yeah. Speaking of YouTube algorithms, mm -hmm. they have just they have changed it again because it's awesome. It's a constantly evolving uh shitstorm Shit nightmare. <laughs> uh and now they're uh because the, the big deal was like hey if you show like mature content, you're going to be demonetized. Like you right. won't get any ads on your videos. Now it's if you swear. Wow. So yeah, so if you swear you will get demonetized. It, and it was initially in the first 60 seconds or a minute and a half of a video or whatever it was, if you swear, you're automatically demonetized. So 
Game Grumps, who I follow, they were censoring the first 60 seconds of their videos, like bleeping their cuss words. Now YouTube registers the censor tone as a swear. Wow. So now what Game Grumps has to do is... You can't is, even censor it. Right. So now what Game Grumps has to do is just, they just mute silence, it. they mute the audio when they cuss, and now it's the entire video. Wow. So now they're in all of their entire videos are like choppy because they cuss all the time. And that's like part of what I like. It's part of their personality. It's what they do, but they can't make any money on their videos. And they employ a lot of full-time staff because they're this huge organization now and they have a huge office. They're getting a new office and YouTube's just fucking them, which like you've talked about it before. Like if you choose for that to be your profession, you know that that is a changing animal. uh, And you know that you're at the whims of this like, Jack off corporation who doesn't yeah. give a shit about you, and but that like, doesn't make it not fucked, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Like, so it's super the, messed up now. And the now, real like, they've said they're just gonna try to not swear as much, so like it's not as chopped. But like, what I say is fuck that and fuck <laughs> YouTube. The real solution to this should be some sort of mature tag on yeah. people's content because like iTunes the, the, does it. The, the reason, the, but that that that's a different animal, and I'll tell you why. The reason that all of this is happening is, I hate to bring it back, but because of PewDiePie. PewDiePie, all of his shit came out about him being anti-Semitic and making Nazi jokes, and because he has fifty-five million subscribers or whatever the number is now, he's in the mainstream media that is being that's covering his shit, and advertisers were pissed. Because they did not want their ad to be pre-roll to his video that has anti-Semitic stuff in it. They did not want to be associated with his brand. Which, so they, that, in my brain, that's problem number one. Who the fuck would associate an ad with a thing that's being played on? Nobody consumers. thinks that way anymore. No, incorrect. Consumers are that way. They are I 100% never, that way. I don't that's the way that. That's the way advertising has worked for 100 fucking years. Because that's how it works on television. My core point is, if you watch... If you watch Nickelodeon in the middle of the day, you're going to get very different ads than if you watch Game of Thrones on Sunday night on HBO, which I guess is different because they don't run ads. But you you get my point. Like, yeah. the content of the show dictates the type of advertisers that want to be associated with the show. Not just because of this associated with the show, but because of the perceived audience of the show. Sure, so advertisers YouTube are saying, isn't doing that. They're just taking mature content and just saying, no ads. I understand, Kyle. That's my point. That right. this this is what the solution should be. Yeah. Because right now it's a batch and blast. You can see any ad on anything. It is based on your uh, interests because it's you know quote the capital letters the man knows the shit that you're into. Yeah. Like if you're watching YouTube videos, you're probably gonna get ads that are relevant to things that you have researched on Google because yeah. Google owns YouTube. But the core of the point is like there should be different ad sets for children focused things yes. versus adult focused things versus things so like if it's marked as explicit there are definitely advertisers out there that would be on YouTube that would have no problem being associated with an explicit run channel right the but problem yeah. becomes YouTube isn't doing any of that yes the problem is that they don't care because right. they don't need to whatever graph and charts that they're tracking their monetization etc is telling them that they don't need to put in the extra work to segment this stuff and because of that tons and tons of content creators are being punished 
yeah. this has been an issue with Google or with YouTube for like literally a decade with how they have done their algorithmical stuff, how they're surfacing recommended videos versus, you know, not showcasing your subscriptions in a certain way. Like this has been a long, long, long running problem on YouTube. Yeah, they don't I'm appreciate not it- or recognize the value of the people who post the content yes. that will have ads for them, that will make yes. them money. They don't care about that. Like they don't care about the individual. There's a whole other problem that is hurting YouTube in having new content creators because they changed a couple of years ago, which affected both of us. Yeah. You cannot have monetized videos unless you have a thousand subscribers and some threshold of hours of views per month. Right. So all of our stuff got demonetized. And it's not like we were making a shit ton of money on any of this, but like that hurts a new, a person that wants to break into YouTube is going to, unless they get lucky is going to have to put in so much time, potentially years, before they would reach a threshold of even being able to monetize their stuff. And that's, like, absurd. And a part of that is because YouTube doesn't want to have to police all of these small channels, all of these one-off videos, to know whether or not their ad distributors are going to be pissed that some rando uploads, like, a Vine compilation with a bunch of people using the N-word... And they don't want it like Coca-Cola is pissed because they saw their ad running in front of a video like that. Like it's yeah. all because YouTube has not found a way to through technology get that stuff. And they're trying to find ways, like this example with Game Grumps, of identifying swear words. Like they have to set some kind of threshold. And that threshold is way too low and ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah. It I mean it's been a like this that is not surprising at all because it this kind of bullshit has been happening for like a decade. Yeah, well, it's, it's, so it's frustrating, but like I know in a month it's going to be different. Yeah, it's going to be some different bullshit in a month. But like, also, th- this like, might go away or it might get worse. I don't know. Right. And that's but what also sucks. imagine like it, in the case of this, like they have a business built on this platform, like a month. Of having eighty percent of your content demonetized, like that can put your that can put your company out of business. Right. Imagine if you're if you run a brick and mortar store where in, if you make ten thousand dollars a month and this month you make two thousand dollars, like you could be totally screwed and not be able to pay your employees or keep the lights on. So like yeah, yes. like they've been having issues with monetization for a little while now. So they started doing live streams where people can donate and get stuff or whatever, have stuff right. happen. So like they've been supplementing their income that way. They've also been like upping their merch game and selling a ton of merch. Like there's like a new merch item every week almost. So like they're doing supplementary things to help make yeah. up for like the shitty entity that is YouTube. But yeah. like it, it's bullshit that they have to do that. Yes. Because they put but, a lot of fucking hard work into it. This is the kind of thing that happens when you put your financial future in the hands of a company that has zero investment in you. Right. Like, this is not a regular job where you sign a contract and you have an employment whatever that you are able to elect into. And there is an understanding that you will be treated based on this minimum whatever. YouTube doesn't have that. They determine their own rules and you can either participate or not. And their rules are not favorable whatsoever to the creators. No. It is 100% favorable to YouTube. And you can deal with it or not. 
And so if you choose to deal with it, this is the bullshit that comes along with it. doesn't like, make the bullshit okay, but it is the responsibility of – if they are starting a business where they are paying other employees based on the whims of YouTube, they better have backup plans yeah. going on. Like, this because is this why, kind of shit has been proven to happen. This is why monopolies are illegal. Because YouTube doesn't have – like there is no other video hosting service that will ever – or that could – I'm not, I'm not going to say will ever, but that could rival YouTube or make right. them sweat in any sense of the word. Like, they can set whatever rules they want because what are you going to do? Like, if you're not on our platform, what are you going to do? Are you going to stream? Because yeah. that's a different ecosystem. Right. That's a different type of thing. Like, that takes different equipment, different skill set, different types of personalities. It's very different. Like, what are you going to do? Not host your videos here because there's nowhere else where people are going to see them because everyone right. just goes to YouTube. Like that's the danger of a monopoly, and YouTube and the has core that problem the that Google owns YouTube, and right. therefore they the same company owns the top two search engines on the internet. Where yeah. theoretically, even if another company wanted to start a competitor to YouTube, guess what? Google will just not allow your website to be shown in search results because you are a competitor for their business. Right? Because everyone's like, running Google Chrome. Yes. It's yeah. Everything's fucked. Everything's fucked. And yeah. now this this video is not going to be monetized when I upload it on YouTube. It wouldn't have been anyways. I know, we but don't for the sake of the their... joke. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's move speaking, into news. Speaking of Google. Yeah. So there isn't actually – I was, I was expecting way more news for us to talk about, but there actually isn't a ton of stuff. We have some stuff to catch up on that happened before A3 that we did not talk about, such as this live stream that they did about Google Stadia. Yeah. You know more about Google Stadia. You are a pre-order founder of Google Stadia. So how about you take the lead on this? Yeah. So as much as I decry uh, the monopolization that YouTube and Google have on the internet, I still think they're doing some very smart things. Um, that just goes to show that their corporation is so vastly huge that there are shitty arms of it and very great arms of it. Uh, and I think this Google Stadia stuff has uh, a lot to offer the gaming industry in insofar as like at least pushing other people to adopt some of these practices and um, pushing technology forward and just creating kind of an, uh, an interesting use case. So um, the, yeah, they had essentially like a Nintendo Direct, but for Google, uh, mm-hmm. for Google Stadia. They um, they talked a ton about how the service is going to work. They had a little bit of uh, chunks of information there for potential like business partners. They had a lot of talk in there about um, some things that are kind of more developer focused, like how does the tech work? Um, what are you going to have available to you? And uh, on our end, I think there are still a lot of questions uh, around that stuff. But there was a good chunk of information for your casual consumer, uh, which is uh, you and me. So. Um, the way it's going to work is you can create a base Stadia account for free and purchase games a la carte, like you would on Steam. It's like downloading Steam, essentially. You're just doing it on the Google Store. I'm assuming this has something to do with like the Google Play, whatever. Uh, it might tie into that. Um, but this is what they were talking about initially where, hey, you're watching a YouTube video and they're playing a game. And you're like, hey, I want to play this game. You click a button and it says buy. Yep. Because you have my card information saved, and now I'm just streaming it instantly, and I'm playing the game. I'm in it already. Yep. Um, so that's which like base awesome. account. Yeah, which is wild. Uh, base account for free. Um, buying games a la carte. No discounts, just regular prices. 
Um, that is not going to be made available to people until early 2020 because they still need a little bit more time. It's really they, they need a little bit more time testing, building their games library for average they need a little bit, consumers. They need a little bit more time to make you feel like you need to buy the Founders Edition is what this that, is. I'm sure that's part of it, yeah. <laughs> I also that's why probably, MMOs don't launch as free to play. They wait yeah. and get the money up front and then go free to play. Yeah, that's valid. Um, so there is a Founders Edition. Uh, you can pre-order it. Uh, it's going live in November. I don't know if they have a date in November yet. It's one hundred and thirty dollars. So that's a good chunk of money. So like, what does one hundred and thirty dollars get you? <laughs> Great question, Shay. I'll tell you. Um, it gets you a limited edition. Midnight Blue Stadia controller, and as I've talked about before, the controller is a, necess- a pretty necessary component if you're playing certain types of games where reaction time matters, like first-person shooters, action-adventure games, platformers. You're going to want to go with their Stadia controller because it connects directly to the service through Wi-Fi as mm-hmm. opposed to connecting via Bluetooth to your device and then to their service. It eliminates a little bit of the latency and allows you to switch what screen you're playing on pretty much at will. Because if the controller is just connected via Wi-Fi, you can pull up whatever stream on whatever screen you want and then just play on whatever screen. Whereas if yep. you're playing on a controller that's tied to the device, it takes a little bit more doing to uh, switch devices. So, comes with the controller, which the controller by itself is, I think, $70. Um, it also comes with Chromecast Ultra, which is their new Chromecast. It supports 4K, HDR, all this other stuff. Um which, at launch of this, is the only way to play with Google Stadia. The eventual goal is you will be able to on open TVs. it in a Chrome browser. Yeah, right. on on TVs. No, you can play through Chrome browser. At um, launch? On computers, on PCs okay. at launch. Okay. Um, the only way to play on other devices will be the Chromecast Ultra initially. And then they're going to add, uh, and like their Google phones and Google tablets will work but not other phones, like not iOS or Android phones or whatever, just the Google devices, PCs running Chrome, and the Chromecast Ultra. Um, so the Chromecast Ultra by itself is also $70. Mm-hmm. So right there, that's 140 between the controller and the Chromecast. You're only paying 130 So if you're interested in both of those things, that's a, save, that's a savings of $10 if you were going to be getting both of those things anyways. Uh, then it also comes with three months of what's called Stadia Pro, which this is their subscriber service. Um it gets you free games. It's like a games with gold. It's like a Xbox Gold subscription. I think is kind of what I'm likening it to, or like a PlayStation Plus. Yeah, PlayStation Plus. Yeah, yeah where yeah, probably more PlayStation Plus, where you're getting free games every month. Uh, and I, I don't know for sure if those are rotating titles or not, um, but you get free games every month and um, discounts on other games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. If you're playing a lot of games, depending on the libraries that they have available, that may be something that's worthwhile. But for the Founders Edition, you get three months of that for free. Well, not for free. It's part of the 130. But then you also get a three-month buddy pass for Stadia Pro you can give to a friend um, right. to like get them in on it, have them try it, or play a game with you. Uh, and one of the big offerings at launch of the Founders Edition is going to be Destiny 2, all add-ons, including the new Shadow Keep, everything um is included for free with Stadia Pro. Yeah, so, like, the buddy a, pass that's kind the, of a, a big selling point and a good use case for like hey, this is a game with a community where like maybe you would want to be like watching live streams of people doing this or testing how live streaming works, playing with other people. That's really 
that's why it's nice to have a buddy pass is to like, hey, I'm going to try the Stadia thing, get it to my buddy, we can both play Destiny. So here's like automatically a multiplayer game that you get for free with a shed load of content. Um, and another thing about the Destiny is you can transfer save data over to the Stadia versions, but I don't think you can then transfer it back out. Yeah, I, I think don't it's, believe I think so. it's kind of like a one-time account transfer. Yeah. Um, the other thing worth mentioning about the buddy passes, though, is like if you want to share this at launch. So like you bought the Founders Edition, I did not. If you were going to give me your buddy pass, like I don't have the controller, I don't have the Chromecast, true. So I can only play with my PS4 controller on my computer. That's the true. only way I can engage with it. So that's worth mentioning. Yeah. Eventually, like if you were to wait with your buddy pass until this was more fully featured in 2020, I could go ad hoc buy a controller. Yeah. And, and then, then I could three months be, and then I'd Chrome. be able to play if if I have a Google app on my tv or whatever i would be able to play that way but if you're going to use it at launch it will still be limited by not having access to the other stuff that's totally fair and true the Um, other thing about the pro versus base yeah the base which is the free version you can get the 1080p 60 frames per second which is probably the max of what most people would get and they have like they had like a whole thing about how much internet you need etc right it seems like what it was i think it was like 30 Download speed. Uh, it, it was twenty five down uh, recommended for in order to get the ten eighty p. Yeah, and which so is the like pro... a really reasonable speed. Sure. Yeah. A lot I mean, of people yes. can get that. Yes, but that is still considered high speed. Like that is not a base level of internet that yeah. a lot of Americans are on. Right. And a and lot of Americans it... are on worse than base speed. Well, yeah. And then if you want like seven twenty, occasional frames less than sixty, it's like. I think like ten or fifteen megabits, yeah, um, which is much more widely accepted or much more widely um, used. I'm obviously like the p- part of the problem with internet is it's so variable all the time, and mine spikes and valleys a lot. Like I'll have you know I I pay for ninety plus, and I'm paying a shit ton of money for ninety plus. Yeah, sometimes like I was using Wi-Fi yesterday, and I just did a speed test because I do it every once in a while. Was saying I was getting like 157 down, which is like pretty fast. Yeah. And other times where I'm like, wow, this game's taking longer to download than I would think, and I do a speed test, and I'm at like 12 down. Like it just that happens, especially when you're on Wi-Fi. So yeah. that is a core problem that I have with this in general, where I remain skeptical about how this is all going to work. It seems like awesome technology that in the future, I'm sure once you know everybody is on Google Fiber or everybody has much more high-speed internet and there are not data caps, all of this seems really, really cool. But in the here and now, when this is happening in just a few months, I remain very skeptical that this will work as intended out in the wild with a lot of people trying to use it. Yeah. So, the the Pro, the Stadia Pro, that you the three months that you get with the Founders Edition, regular Pro is $10 a month, and that is how you get the 4K. That's how you get HDR. So, the free version, yeah. you only get a max of 1080p 60, but the Pro gets you 4K 10, or 60. So, if you care about that, if you have internet that's good enough to support that, that's how you would get it. Yeah, and like, for me, once the three months of Pro is up, I'm sure I'll just go back to like a base account or whatever because I don't really care um, about the 4K. I have a 4K right. TV, um, but it's not HDR. Um, I don't. I, I guess we do. Tech, we have a sound bar. It's not surround sound um, with a subwoofer in the back of the room. So like, I don't care about the surround sound that comes with that either. 
Um, yeah. And like ten dollars a month, like I'm already paying so much on other subscription services, it's not worth it to me. It depends uh, on what the games are. Like right. the 4K, yeah, the awesome. Library. HDR, awesome. Surround sound, awesome. But it's going to depend on like like much like PlayStation Plus. Well, I guess that's a bit different because you need that in order to be able to play online. But like, are the games? Are the free games or the discounts going to be significant enough that's yeah. worth paying $10 a month? That's going to be the real selling point. Yeah, and I know Ubisoft has come forward uh, like a really heavy, um, like heavy-handed, like, hey, we're really partnering with Stadia here. Like, all of our games are going to be on Stadia. So at least you'll have all your yeah. Ubi games. Um, and, I mean, all the big companies have come out and said that they're going to support cross-play where they can, including yeah. Sony, which is new. So Stadia folks will be able to play with their friends on PS4 or Xbox, or et cetera. Or so, yeah, so that that aspect will be cool. Yeah. Um, kind of u- unifying uh, some platforms. Um, right. Uh, and then, like, once Stadia is released um, for, like, uh, base accounts and stuff in uh, early 2020... Controllers will be on sale for seventy bucks. They're black, white, or wasabi green. The only the wasabi way wasabi green is really ugly. It I is, yeah. It's the gross. only way to get the blue controller is for the founders. The founders. Um, yeah. Uh, and then uh, I think it was Digital Foundry did a quick numbers run based on the download speeds that they were expecting um, that they kind of laid out in the presentation, and uh, kind of lowballing it, they calculated that. If you're playing with 4K, the speeds that they had recommended for 4K play, um, you would use about a terabyte of data every 65 hours, which is roughly like two hours a day for a month. So if you have a terabyte data cap, if you're not using any other internet, you would blow through that terabyte data cap every month if you play two hours a day. But that's at the 4K 60 frame level. It's a little less the further down quality-wise you go, but it's still, sure. like, you're streaming high-quality stuff. It It's going to take a lot of your internet. So, like, this is not a solution for people with data caps. Like, Which just, is most people, <laughs> especially that live in metropolitan areas. Like, yeah, we that, have that's a bummer. We have a 500-gig cap, and that is good in this area because a couple of years ago I had a 250-gig cap that I was going over every month and so I would typically be charged an extra $30 a month to get 50 gigs added here and there, which is ridiculous. Yeah. And there is there is literally no reason that data caps need to exist. ISPs have been unable or unwilling to say why they charge for data caps, which means there is no reason. Yes. If they had a legitimate reason, they would give it the, the, for money. And I'm not saying it's on Google to solve the data cap problem, but their answer to the question is also not an answer. When asked directly, like, so it requires all this data to use this. There are data caps. If people want to play Stadia significantly, like they want to treat it like a new console, the way that people would play consoles, your core gamer demographic that you say you are going after first they're going to go over their data caps, period. Yeah. Like, they, they just are. If you add this huge thing to what people are already doing and that are already reaching data caps, they're going to crazy go over it. What do you say to those people? And their response, which it's been the same from a bunch of people, so it's like that's what PR wants them to say, which makes it even more ridiculous. Their answer has been, gamers aren't going to stand for data caps. We got to fight back against these ISPs and get them to raise or eliminate data caps. But also... That's true. Like, 
we need to lobby and we need to fucking riot in the streets because we internet, can't do, internet should be a how? utility. How? What are we going to do to do this? I don't know. Throw some golf balls at windows. I don't, I don't know. Like stop using like, the internet? Boycott right. the internet? There is well, no solution. There is no way that... Internet is a utility. Yeah. I've, well, we that, talked about this that on the is, podcast before. I think that is the solution, right? Like we lobby but my point is internet becoming we, a utility. My point is what incentive do they have to listen to us? The we have government. no power. But we, but that, dude, they don't what, give a shit. They're all in the pockets of fucking Comcast and shit. And war, like Time Warner. Well, maybe if we get someone slightly further to the left in office at some point, no. then that might no. help. First of all, That's no. what I'm thinking. Not at all. Zero percent chance. Like yeah. one person that is the president is going to make an impact on this. We would need no. Well, because no, it's that not, is it's never just the president that comes into office. The president chooses the cabinet and has say in other parts. So it's not when a president gets elected, it's not just the president. It's also a lot of other people that have power and have influence. So this is also not a Anyways. liberal versus conservative standpoint. This is a politicians and lobbyists standpoint where government decisions are made based upon the people giving them the most money. And that has been a problem with Republicans and Democrats equally for generations. It has nothing to do with where you fall on party lines. Anyone that tells you differently has an agenda. Well, no, I would say that in this case, the conversation is more socialism versus capitalism, right? And I think left tends to lean more in the former category than the latter. Um, which is more where I lean. I'm that a doesn't communist. have anything to do with this. Um, that doesn't have anything to do with this. I think so. And because like, it's all like about socializing the money, utilities dude. and yeah, follow follow the money. Different people get money from different places in the government. If you're going to say that conservatives are getting money from these big corporations, blah blah blah. Liberals are getting their money from somewhere else. They're getting it from the unions. They're getting it from all these other places that are just as corrupt. That have just as much of their own personal agendas. We don't need to talk about politics anymore on the podcast. The core of the point is like consumers have no power when it comes to eliminating data caps because we can't like, what is the solution? Like what, what can we do? Like, I and mean, this should be asked of Google what, go- government intervention, I think. But, but, but that, that's not, that doesn't answer my question. I do. I work for the government. What can I do as a person vote to solve for, this? Vote for people who care about that issue. But those people don't exist. That's not true. It is. No, because like politi- like younger, I will say younger, um, not as a blanket statement, but as a generalized statement, um, younger politicians play games. I'm sure there are some younger politicians that know what it's like or know people who have data caps, right? They know that the problem exists. They engage but with you're the also, community. But you're also... But- and that's not like that's not an answer to my question because when Google is asked what are you guys going to do about data caps their answer is gamers aren't going to stand for data caps so the follow up question should be okay then what are gamers supposed to do and if their answer is vote for people who care about getting rid of data caps you are still at the end of the day you aren't doing anything about it you're asking someone else to do something about it okay but like what the fuck is Google going to do they, they, they are one of the biggest companies in the fucking world. Yeah, they're bringing Google Fiber to more cities as we speak, and Google Fiber doesn't have data caps. 
Well, like they're they, working on a solution. They can't bring Google Fiber to a lot of cities because Time Warner has a monopoly and they're in the pockets of the po- local politicians. And so they like the FCC, which controls this, is being run by the former executive of Time Warner. Like, oh, there's no conflict of interest there. That's my whole that's my point. Like voting for a senator that cares about this is going to make literally no difference. They I have disagree. no power in this in this scenario. I disagree. What is this one politician going to do? It's not one politician. It's like like locally, wherever you are in the United States, as a gamer, if you care about this kind of thing, your local like state-appointed senator, you want to vote for the person who has the same values as you or vote for the person who is passionate about eliminating data caps and other social economic problems that uh like you fall in line with and like it's not one politician that goes to the senate that's going to change it it's going to be a bunch of politicians getting elected by people who are fed up with shit and then as a group they're able to make waves but this has also been proven that like that stuff doesn't last because of the way our politics are structured it just goes in circles where like there is a republican president and a Republican Congress, everyone hates them. So then there's a Democratic Congress to go along with the Republican president, and then nothing gets done. And then that Republican president gets replaced with a Democratic president because everybody hates them. And then it's a Democratic president and a Democratic Congress. And then that Democratic Congress is replaced with a Republican Congress because everyone hates the Congress that's already there, and then nothing gets done. This has been the cycle for tens of years. Okay, but that and nothing ever gets done. That's not true. Things do get done. And then they get undone. Yeah. And then they they can get undone. Yes. They always get undone. And that's the that's the problem with democracy is that people feel differently. No. People value different things. First of all, we do not live in a democracy. We live in a representative republic. I know. Yeah. But that is that is not the problem with democracy or with a republic. It is the problem with our political system. And our two-party system. Yes. I know I'm just ranting and there's no solution to this. Right. But that's that's like... Well, I, I don't get why you're ranting and sitting there and like yelling at Google for not doing anything when they are doing stuff. Like, they're, they're saying, hey, like, the onus can't be on us to fix other people's problems. But it can. It can, though. No. That, that's my point. Like, yes, they are trying to bring Google Fiber to places, and that's awesome. Yeah. But they are one of the biggest companies in the world. If, if, if something is going to take down one of the biggest companies in the world, it needs to be one of the other biggest companies in the world. And I'm not trying to replace Time Warner with Google, but only by them fighting each other does that help consumers. And right now, Google is not fighting them enough, is my belief. I think that they can and should be able to do more. Because like it is proven, it is, I don't know, I'm not running their company. It's That's not my job to know. Well, yeah, but like, the, how can you sit there indignantly saying that they need to be doing more when you yourself don't have an answer? That, that's not my job. It's not my job to like. So, but, but so like, it's not their job either. Like, they're a corporation. I'm saying it is. I'm saying it is their job. But if they're a they, corporation. They, they are releasing a product into the world that is dependent on data caps and on internet infrastructure. They are doing this. And they do not okay. have a solution to that problem. Okay. They are that, saying yeah. consumers find the solution. That's an argument. That is not make. okay. Yeah. yeah. That's my point. Because by that, I mean, by your logic, like, I'm not allowed to say a video game is bad because I don't know how I would have fixed it. Like, it's not my job to know how to fix it. I'm not doing that job. I'm saying you, you, as in Google, need to know the answer. You need to figure out the answer, and you are not. 
you're putting the onus on me, a consumer, and that is not fair. Because I do not have power in this situation. Well, you in, have power. in my head, the problem was the consumer's problem. The data cap thing was a consumer's problem, not Google's problem. But by framing it insofar as, hey, they're making a service that, that is dependent will, on this. Yeah, that is dependent on that. that. That's an argument that you can make. And so. they're dancing around it. And they're dancing around it on purpose. And they're ignoring the fact that there are millions of Americans who don't have internet that can support this kind of thing. And if that's your message, that's okay. Say, we're starting with this. We're trying to figure out how to get fiber into more areas, which they are doing. We're trying, we're, we'll, we'll try to expand this. But they're, they're pitching it as a, like, oh, it's game streaming for everyone. And it fucking is not that. And that's where it's shitty too. Is they're like they're making it, they're trying to make it come across like there isn't a problem, or that the problem is just going to get fixed. Like, oh, gamers won't stand for data caps. Like that's meaningless. Good people won't stand for racism. Is racism gone? Like, no. That's like a stupid, frivolous point to try to make. I hope Google Stadia is really cool, though. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I pre-ordered it for $130, so I really hope it's cool. <laughs> I hope it works. So, obviously, they talked about how Destiny 2 is going to be on Stadia and all the content, blah, blah, blah. Bungie also did a big live stream where they did kind of their unveiling uh, one of Shadowkeep, which is their next expansion, but also, like, what is their ideology now that they are free from the shackles of Activision? Um, they kind of talked about like, it's a three pillar thing of, they want destiny to be an awesome action MMO, which is the first time they'd ever used an MMO. But at the end of the day, come on guys, it, it was always an MMO. They want it to be able to be played anywhere with anyone. And then they want it to be like a living, breathing world or whatever the third piece was. So they kind of framed it everything that way. Uh, as part of that, like, Hey, we want it to be available to as many people in as many places as possible. Part of that's the Google Stadia partnership, but part of it is also, New Light, which is a new free-to-play version of Destiny, which includes the base game of Destiny 2. It includes all of the older expansions, all the, like, story content from Warmind and Forsaken and whatever, Curse of Osiris, all that stuff. It includes all the planets. So, like, you can drop ship on a planet and explore and do the little lost sectors, do the adventures, all that kind of shit. It includes the old raids, uh, it includes all the competitor, the competitive modes, the strikes, Gambit. It includes all the base stuff. Basically, if you want to play Destiny for free, you get 80 to 90% of the content. What you aren't getting is a lot of the value of the late game stuff. And the new content, obviously. So Shadowkeep is a new expansion. comes out September 17th. It's $35. The way that they're treating this is like no more closed off annual passes where in order to get some of this content you have to buy the full annual thing each expansion will be standalone it will include all the things from that season if you want to skip that season and come back the next season you won't be gated from all the old stuff you won't be gated from leveling up for the new stuff because like when forsaken came out you needed to play warmind you needed to play curse of osiris that's done you it's 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 an mmo now where you can buy random expansions if you want. You're going to be able to get everything you need in order to play that expansion. You're, and you're good to go. That's the approach that they're taking. Specific to Shadowkeep, you're going back to the moon. Where the wizards are from, as they say. Uh, 
it's like because we haven't been to the moon obviously since destiny one so they've kind of like retooled a lot of the stuff and some kind of hive thing has taken over and there are all these new crevices and things to explore uh and there's this big like red tower called the shadow keep which is where all the main story stuff is happening um there are new exotics as there would be uh they added finishing moves which I don't know. I, I watched the little thing and I was kind of like underwhelmed by those. But that's like the new thing, the new gameplay thing in this expansion. And they're also going back to focusing on the Crucible because they were saying, "Hey, this is, we've been ignoring it for too long, doing other stuff. This expansion is focused on updating Crucible, making it better, retweaking it." Which for you and I, we don't play we don't Crucible, so who cares? Yeah. But there are a lot of people that like it. So good that they're spending the time and effort um, updating that. And there's going to be a new raid takes place in the Black Garden, which I think is where you go in the first Destiny. That's where the the game ends, is the Black Garden. Okay. I think. But that's where the raid's taking place. There's I just been know, a- the only thing I remember from Destiny is that there was Peter Dinklage, and then there was Nolan North. <laughs> right. Uh, it's like, um, the, like Genesis. Oh, and I should say first, like that. First, there was Peter Dinklage, and then there was a flash of light, and there was Nolan North. <laughs> That is how the New Light free-to-play mode works as well. Like, when you start the game, you play through that first mission from Destiny 1, and then you can just go wherever, do whatever you want. You can automatically go to the tower and Wait, meet up Destiny with folks. Destiny 1? No, not the tower. Wherever the one in Destiny 2 is. Oh, okay. Like, with all the people coming in, casting their big magics, and then you fight in that bubble on the, on the original tower from Destiny 1? What? The very you're, first mission from Destiny 1 in the Cosmodrome. Where you're that's walking like, with all the ruined cars and stuff? Yeah, like where you wake up. You play the, that? Yes, because that's the tutorial. Really? Yes. Because well, the, the first mission from Destiny 2... It is not that. It's you not can play, that? No, you can play the whole Destiny 2 campaign for free, but in order... That's where the, the New Light mode starts. It's the first mission from Destiny 1, because that's the so tutorial they have mission. other stuff from Destiny 1? No. That's really weird. But that's where it's... Because it's geared towards new players. So, like, that's where they introduce, here's how you shoot a gun. Here's what okay. the loot is. You but get your But then they're ship. not going to have any of the story stuff from Destiny 1? No. Weird. It is, but this is the solution that they did. Okay. But then you can play through the whole Destiny 2 campaign for free, all the DLC for free, Forsaken, etc. Um, but, back to the Shadowkeep thing. Uh... Yeah, so this is their, like, standalone, you get all the content in Shadowkeep. There's been a bunch of pushback of, like, oh, really, we're going back to the moon, like, you're not going to create new assets, blah, 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 which, of course, gamers that don't know how this shit works think that this is the lazy way out, which I don't think is fair. Um, But, yeah, I'm super interested to see what happens with Destiny on new consoles. And now that they're free of Activision, like, is is there Destiny 3? Or do they just call it Destiny? Like, what, what is it now? What is this game? Is it just, like, World of Warcraft, where that's the core thing, and there are expansions? Or Elder Scrolls Online? Like, to me, they, when when the new consoles release, they should release Destiny. Which yeah. is this free-to-play mode that has all the old shit for free, including Destiny 1 stuff. And you buy and the then expansions, they just expansions and piecemeal content. Yeah. That's what I would do if I was them. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. More on the PC side, talking about the Stadia thing. Um, so because they're no longer with Activision, they're leasing, leaving the Blizzard launcher and coming to Steam. You'll be able to transfer all your shit over to Steam. Um, 
Yeah. Seems interesting. I yeah. Don't know. I bought um, the annual pass, and I probably won't play it. I don't know, dude. I'm happy that it's coming to Steam, because I can get some Steam achievements. <laughs> Fair. Um, and they'll I, pro- Maybe they'll have Steam trading cards for Destiny. Woohoo. As <laughs> always, since 2014, I really want to like Destiny. I really want to play it. And I put we, tons Jay, of hours into Destiny. We like Destiny. We just can't handle too much of it at once. But all the end game shit and the like the having to play co-op all the time, that's the stuff that like I always fall off. And we even played Forsaken, like we fell off of the single player mode. We didn't even finish it. Or like the story. We didn't even finish it. Right. Cause that was uninteresting. I thought the that new zone was really boring. Yeah. I don't know. It dude. still feels really good to play. Yeah, no, it t- it totally does. And that's what I'm saying. I wanna like Destiny way more than I do. And I keep giving it another shot, and it keeps burning me, and I just am not learning my lesson. <laughs> All right, Pokemon Sword and Shield. We talked a fair amount about this on the E3 stuff, but they did a specific Nintendo Direct for Pokemon Sword and Shield pre-E3, where they showed more of the wild area, which we already talked about. You can control the camera, free roam. That's where you have the little bike, blah, blah, blah. That's where they first showed off the Dynamax stuff, which is where you get make your Pokemon huge. It lasts for three turns, which seems like a mechanic I don't like, but I'm going to try to have an open mind and give it a chance. Yeah. Because it's much like the Z moves and the super evolutions or whatever they called it. So stupid. I like, hate I, yeah. it. I mean, they gotta, they're gotta. they trying to find new stuff every time to, so that it's not just the same core game. I, I get why they're doing it. It's just not what I'm looking for. They had showed off the raids which is the four players face a giant Dynamax Pokemon that is constantly Dynamax, and if you beat it, you have a chance to catch it, which seems annoying. I feel like if you beat it, you should just get it. You shouldn't yes. also have to catch it, because what if you don't? Like That's like... <laughs> would be quite annoying. Uh, and then they showed off the legendary Pokemon. Zacian and Zamazenta. They are fox-wolf dudes. One of them's got a shield face, and one of them holds a sword. Pokemon Sword and Shield. They look the one really with the sword stupid. Sword looks pretty cool. I think they look. The one with the sword it's a looks lame. Wolf with it a looks, sword. It looks dude. lazy because it is. It's just it's a red, blue, and white wolf holding a sword. What I want to know is is the sword part of the Pokemon, or did it like find the sword? Like if you hit the sword, does it hurt it? Right. Or yeah, because like, like if it loses the sword, is that like losing an arm? Because, like, far-fetched, right? Like, he has that leak. Right. Is that part of him, or did he just get a leak? Is like, he could really it be any far-fetched leak? without the leak? Right. Is he Q-bone without the bone? Right. Or the mask, even. Well, I heard... You know the theory about Q-bone, right? Is that the bone a, fuses with it? Well, no, it's a baby Genghis-Khan. Genghis-Khan. Kangaskhan. That, no. That's why That's why the mom Kangaskhan, like, it... um. But, but Cubones evolve into Marowak. Right. So how? How? Cubone wears the skull of its dead mother. What but does like that do with Kangaskhan? I don't know. It's something about like, uh, like the skull is actually the cult, the skull of a Kangaskhan, and the Cubone like lost its mother, and so it wears its mother's skull. Something. But it. But it's it, like a fan isn't. theory. But that's factually inaccurate because it isn't. 
It's know, not there's, a there's it's not a king's about that. I remember. That I, I'm probably not saying it right, but there's something about that. Well, all right. More Pokemon. Anyways, yeah. And this is new. So they did that big Pokemon live stream where they talked about Pokemon Home, Pokemon Sleep, and they also talked about Pokemon Masters, which is an upcoming mobile game. They showed off more of that. It was like an eight-minute trailer where they did like a bunch of animated shit, which was like whatever. But then they actually talked about what the game is. So this is a trainer battle-focused mobile game. It has a bunch of trainers from the TV shows and the games. It takes place on a new island called Paizo, where like the whole point is there's this big trainer competition tournament happening. And so you have one Pokemon, and you team up with two other trainers who both have one Pokemon, and you do 3v3 battles. They didn't really talk about like, oh, do you change out your own Pokemon as much as you want? How do you level it up? Do you pick different trainers whenever you want? Because, like, obviously types matter. So, like, oh, if I pick a grass type as my Pokemon and I go up against a full 3v3 team of fire Pokemon, like, am I screwed? Like, I, I we don't know more detail about that yet, but you're trying to get badges. You're taking place or taking part in this tournament. Um, it's kind of, it seems like a, not maybe button mashy, but, like, there's an attack gauge that fills up. And so you're trying to attack as fast as you can. So it's a little less strategic than the tri- typical turn-based Pokemon. But you have these special, super powerful moves that are sync moves. Because you and your Pokemon are called a sync pair. Because there has to be a dumb name for everything. Um, as a trainer, you also have moves. So you can heal your Pokemon. You can raise their stats as the trainer. Which is interesting. And it's supposed to come out this summer. So we'll see. I don't, I mean, as I mentioned, I downloaded Elder Scrolls Blades and haven't played it. Download Harry Potter Wizards Unite and haven't played it. Not really into playing mobile games. But this kind of game that is a little more actual mechanics could potentially be interesting if it's, like, tuned correctly. I'm mostly curious to learn about, like, partnering with other trainers, how that process works. If I get to just, like, oh, I want to partner with Brock and Brock comes with this other Pokemon or how that works. And also, is there going to be actual multiplayer where I could like partner with you, Kyle. Like, how I, I want to know more about if and how that kind of thing is possible. Well, you won't be partnering with me because I'm not gonna play this. Well, whatever. <laughs> you should at least give it a shot. It's a Pokemon game. I won't. I mean, you played Pokemon Go, and that was yeah, not was even a video really game. Bad. Yeah, I know, but you still tried it. This now, is way I, more of a video game. I now know what I want out of Pokemon in a way that I didn't used to, uh, and this is not it. Fair enough. Um, we mentioned this briefly in the E3 episode, but they announced that new Darksiders game that had been teased. It is not Darksiders 4. It is not a core Darksiders like the other three have been. It's called Darksiders Genesis, and it's more of a Diablo-style game where you play as War and Strife, who is a new character who has guns. He's got some sick guns. Um, and as Solo, you can kind of switch back and forth between the, the characters. And I believe there's a multiplayer aspect where you can play two-player. I'm assuming there is. But it's a prequel story, so it takes place before the first game. The folks that played it and saw it at E3 said that it doesn't look great. Maybe it's just early still, but the reaction was not positive huh. to Darksiders Genesis. Rutro. Um. Okay, that game company, maker of Flower and Journey, are they are no longer exclusive to Sony. They had a three-game deal. What was the other game that they made? Flower, Flow. Flower, Flow, and Journey. Okay. 
Um, so they now their new game is called Sky: Children of the Light. It is a mobile game. It's coming out on I, on iOS in July, and then Android and consoles TBD. Uh, it looks very much like a that game company game with them trying to do a multiplayer thing. Um, you create a character, you explore different realms. There's some kind of co-op. Uh, it showed like different numbers of people on screen at the same time. So like there was one shot where it was like eight people all conjoined together. So there presumably is like different levels of multiplayer. There seemed to be some kind of story. Because there was actual, like, talking between characters happening. Visually, it looks very much, like, influenced by Journey, um, Abzu, Rhyme, like, that kind of bright, colorful um, aesthetic. They're a really talented studio. I'm instantly interested in anything they're going to do, so I don't know. I mean, if it's really heavily on the multiplayer side, it's not really what I would want, but we'll see. Right. Ukulele. Is getting a sequel, but it is more of a 2D platformer, which is probably good. Uh, it's called Ukulele and the Impossible Layer. It is a it has 2D side scrolling levels. It's still that like mock 3D, like 3D character models and stuff, 2. but it's a 2D side scroller. Yeah, 2.5D. And it also has a top down 3D overworld where you can still do stuff, like you still can find little pages, and that's how you get to the different levels, etc. Looks cute. Grant Wise and, or uh, David Wise and Grant Kirkhope are returning to do the music, which was the best part of the game. I was very disappointed in Ukulele, to be honest. Supposedly, they say it's coming out in 2019. We'll see. It, the trailer it showed a lot of different stuff, so presumably it's it's fairly far along. Apparently, there's some like kind of Metroid aspects where you're getting new abilities and things to like further unlock sections and stuff but okay. apparently you can tackle the impossible layer from the start of the game mm. and could technically beat the game right away but it's called the impossible layer for a reason because it's super crazy hard and you're gonna want like different abilities and skills and more right. health and stuff so so it's like breath of the wild basically sure ukulele breath of the snake wearing pants yeah snake pants I don't remember that character's name, but he was a very good character in Ukulele. He was a snake that sold you stuff, and he wore pants. It was, like, he was, like a he was single good. pant leg? No. He was like wound through yes. both both legs of the pants? Yeah. He was a good right. character. That sounds <laughs> and good. He, and he talked like... Like all the characters in that game talked, and it was real annoying. Um, okay, Tequila Works, another studio that I really like. They're making a horror game called Guilt, G-Y-L-T. I'm sorry, uh, I have to stop you. What? We just what? talked about that character without once saying the words in this order instead. Pants Snake. I'll let you mull that one over real quick. Let's talk about Guilt. Okay. Uh, it's a puzzle stealth horror game you play as a little girl like in a school and it's got some spooky vibes it didn't look that scary to me did you watch the trailer yeah it just didn't Um, i mean i don't know it didn't look that it didn't look like super horror game it just looked more more atmospheric yeah yeah it has like a kind of cutesy character design 
it, it looked like in not even inspired, but like sort of the Psychonauts to look to the character model. Um, where it just like looks a little like offbeat and quirky, but cute. Yeah. So I, I don't thought know. it looked nice. Yeah. And I mean, Tequila Works, they're a good studio. Um, it's Oh, and it's exclusive to Stadia. Should mention that as well. Yeah. So they're making, they're making it exclusively for the Stadia, which is neat that Stadia is bringing over exclusive games and not yeah. just like internally developed stuff. Um, yeah. That's kind of it for video game stuff. There's some um, movie and TV related things. So the Rooster Brothers directors of most of the best Avengers movies. They're doing an animated series for Netflix about Magic the Gathering. Which is interesting. Uh, It's going to be like a brand new story just set in that universe. No release date, but they did announce that the animation studio that did the Dragon Prince, which was from the Avatar The Last Airbender folks, they're doing the animation. That doesn't mean it's going to look exactly like that, just that that studio is doing yeah. the animation for this. The Dragon Prince was a lot of that like 3D animation. I am not like, a fan of that made style. Made to look like cartoon. Yeah. And it, I fucking hate it. Yeah. I do want to still... I've tried many times. I do want to give that show a chance, though. I am curious about it. Yeah. I just can't stand it. It's so hokey. It just makes me think of... Um, oh, God. What was that Cartoon Network show? Uh with like the virtual reality where they were cartoons in the real world and then when they went in VR it was really bad 3D animation oh what was that show I don't know and there one of the kids was like in love with the VR girl um I can't think of it now it's Digimon lost. nope but it was it was in the, the same era as Digimon right and I remember it had a really good theme song that I also can't remember. Well, while Anyways. you think about that, also coming to Netflix is an animated show about Jurassic World. It's called Jurassic World Camp Crustaceous. It's coming from DreamWorks Animation. They bill it as a family-friendly show. But I'm going to read the description of this real quick. Jurassic World Camp Crustaceous follows a group of six teenagers chosen for a once-in-a-lifetime experience at a new adventure camp on the opposite side of uh, Isla Nublar, which is where Jurassic World takes place. But when dinosaurs wreak havoc across the island, the campers are stranded. Unable to reach the outside world, they'll need to go from strangers to friends to family if they're going to survive. And they show like a little teaser trailer with a velociraptor that like jumps at the screen. It's really aggressive. So it's about like six kids... And they say it's family friendly, but they talk about like in order for them to survive, I don't know. It just seems like a bit of a dark description for a quote unquote family friendly show. So I don't know. But the fact that they already have a trailer means that it's coming relatively soon. Maybe I don't know if it's a kid's show who gives a shit, but uh, yeah. Code Lyoko, by the way, never would. I've never heard of that. I never would have helped you with that one it was totally awesome (laughs) and then finally a story i'm sure kyle you'll be super psyched about yeah we already talked about this off pod nathan drake has been cast in the uncharted movie that keeps changing hands that were originally was mark Wahlberg, and then nathan fillion was rumored and he did that little short video a year or so ago but nathan drake will be played by tom holland which obviously means it's a younger take on the character. I find it interesting because, like, 
that's not how you envision Nathan Drake, just because he's in his late 30s, like, as a character. But Tom Holland actually looks a lot like the teenage Drake that you see in, in, in Uncharted 3 and 4. He does. And obviously that character is, like, actually a teenager, and Tom Holland's older than that. But if it's, like, an early 20s, he actually does look a, what Drake might have looked like. So that whole, like, I don't know, that that part of it seems interesting to me. I'm curious to know what kind of take they're going to have on this and if they're going to try to make it, like, the new Indiana Jones or if they're going to try to do something a little bit different with it, if they're going to keep the um, sort of fantastical elements to it that yeah. the games have had. If this will be a brand new story or if what, you know, if it's going to recreate a story from one of the games. Uh, it's coming out December of 2020. Um, so yeah, I like Tom Holland. I'm willing to give this a chance. Obviously expectations will be very low because it's a video game movie, but it is what it is. I like Uncharted. (laughs) Maybe, maybe if this is good, maybe it will make you like Tom Holland. You never know if he's good in it. You're right. (laughs) Um, okay. Want to do a quick thing on E3, and we're running really long, so we won't spend that much time on it. But we, we did fault. all of our, yeah, <laughs> we did all of our predictions for E3. There were all these rumor mill things, all these things that people expected, and not all of them came to fruition, obviously. So I wanted to talk to you really quickly on like what was what was missing from E3. So like Sony, obviously, yeah, but. There had been rumors for a while about new Switch models, which Nintendo came out and said that we weren't going to be talking about new Switch models. But there was still that, like, maybe it was a, you know, red herring or whatever. I know there have been a bunch of other rumors. Kyle, you and I, you and I talked a little bit about this before we started recording about the Switch Pro and the Switch Mini. It's all super, super rumor stuff. Yeah. It was like, so there, there was a, a Chinese accessories manufacturer, Hansan, that... Um, released and then pulled down uh, postings for um, Switch Mini accessories. But there was a second company that did the same thing like a couple days later um, from another country. I don't remember the name of the other company. But they also like posted some Switch Mini accessories um, and then quickly pulled them down. But the interesting thing about Hansan was they had like a target render for what the console was going to look like. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in seeing that kind of stuff, it's not substantiated yet. Nintendo did address the rumors in a way where they totally didn't say, no, this is fake. Right. <laughs> they were just like, we don't want to ruin the surprise for our customers. Uh, and obviously, like, this is not something we've told shareholders so we're not going to comment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that makes sense they because they can't say, one, they can't say, yes, this is true because then it ruins the surprise. They can't say, no, none of this is true because then they have, then people know it isn't this. And right. they also can't say some of this is true, some of it isn't because then it ruins the whole package. So that's kind of the only thing they can say. Right. Um, I think it's fair to assume that they're doing something with the Switch. It's sold well. Why would they make more models of it? Yeah. In this story, it's... The Switch Mini is like a handheld-only version that has the Joy-Cons attached to the screen. It's slightly smaller, but it could still work with the dock. And then the Pro is like a slightly more powerful that's more about better battery life, etc. Yeah. Um, not a significant upgrade the way that the PS4 Pro Xbox One X was. But yeah, all that's all super rumor real. We'll, we'll obviously talk about it when and if an actual announcement happens. Anthem was technically at EA Play. 
it was on their floor. They did some interviews with some folks about Anthem, but it wasn't like a big part of what they were talking about. And this is mostly just notable because they just released like the big new raid thing for Anthem. And like they're recommitting to we're supporting this game while also taking the dates off of their roadmap items. Yeah. Um, and the reaction to this new raid stuff has been really negative. So this is just me- evidence to me that their whole story of like we are still committed to Anthem is bullshit. And they're very quickly going to put this thing off into, you know, set it out to pasture, as the saying goes. Um, I bought that game. You sure did? <laughs> Never played it. <laughs> uh, from Nintendo, Metroid Prime 4, which we talked about as probably not being there, was not there. Um, there were the rumor stuff going around about the Metroid Prime Trilogy, which also didn't come to pass. And then Bayonetta 3 was the big thing. So this game was announced with just a title card at the Game Awards 2017. So it was announced a year and a half ago, and we've seen nothing from it. People did ask Platinum, why are we not seeing anything? And they said, hey, we're still working on it. It's coming along. They just didn't want to devote resources to making something specific for E3. So it's nothing like this game is going to be canceled, whatever. It's just that they didn't want to devote resources to to E3. Because that's the way stuff works with E3. You have to make a vertical slice. A lot of development time goes into making that stuff work. And they didn't want to have to deal with that. From Ubisoft, Skull and Bones announced two years ago. And then they showed it a little bit last year. It had a, originally had a 2018 release date. They showed a little bit of it last year, a little bit more story, etc. Then it was delayed to 2019. Then shortly before E3, they delayed it to 2020. So, like, you know, if this game's coming out in 2020, it's probably on next-gen consoles at this point. I think what is more likely is that this game is going to be canceled. Because uh, they continue to just not show anything meaningful. And even from the jump, my reaction was like, I don't know how you make a whole game out of this. Like, there's a reason it was only part of the Assassin's Creed games. Right. There just isn't enough there to make it a full-on ship-to-ship combat game. Like, there's just not enough meat there. And it was, like, like bad timing, too. Like, with Assassin's Creed and Sea of Thieves, like, right at the same time, it was bad timing to announce that game. Yeah. Splinter Cell was part of the Walmart leak last year. Rumored again to be it there this year. Was not. Although Sam Fisher is coming to that Tom Clancy's whatever Legends mobile game. <laughs> Woohoo. Um, give me that shit. My guess is that this game does exist. They are making it, but that it's going to come out on, on new consoles, so they're not going to announce it yet. Maybe, maybe it'll come out on Stadia. Year. Yeah, maybe. Um, Fable 4. This was just rumored to be announced. It was never official. People have been talking about it for a while. And again, this probably makes sense to be a launch window or first year of Project Scarlet game. Yeah, it just, it's crazy to me. Like, Fable would have then skipped this whole generation of consoles. Well, yeah, but Fable 3 people didn't really like. And then they're working on that Fable Legends like 4v1 game that got canceled so yeah you think about microsoft though and like their staple franchises fable is like one of a few that they have in their pocket or had in their pocket uh obviously now they've significantly expanded with all these studio acquisitions but like fable was like a big staple through like both the original xbox and the 360 generations it was a huge a huge part of it so like for them to skip this whole generation is pretty crazy I guess, but they have never said that they were actively working on it. Like, this was more a case of, like, this franchise is done. 
Well, right, like that. Well, that, that's what I'm saying is you know they've they've found ways to keep all their other franchises going. The fact that they never really found a way to keep Fable going surprises me. I guess. And then finally, Town, which was a new game coming from Game Freak that was announced last year. They originally said it was coming out in 2019, which I think it's fair to assume is not the case any longer because we've seen nothing from the actual game. And obviously, Game Freak is... I think they're working on Sword and Shield. I don't know why they wouldn't be. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that, that's just disappointing because like, I would be excited to see them work on their own thing. And the pitch of it sounded cool of like, hey, you're building up. It's a you know city builder style thing, but you're also fighting enemies and maybe some tower defense elements of like having to protect the town. It just seemed cool. And like it was going to have an actual story. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm bummed that we haven't seen more of that because it seems potentially cool. Yeah. All right. And then let's uh, let's do a quick hate of the week, which is based on a news story this time around. Hate of the week. So, loot boxes, right? We know, not loot boxes. They're called surprise mechanics. So says the VP of legal or whatever at EA in a testimony with the government. No, they're not, says everybody but this one man. Woman, but yes. Woman. Um, so the way, like, and I'll link the Game Informer article that has the actual uh, snippets of her interview linked. Because um, it was obviously a long testimony and just kind of the relevant stuff. But basically, she was saying, like, one, they're totally ethical because lots of places have them. Things like... Kinder eggs and Hatchimals, like these physical products that kids love. You spend $5 on it and you don't know which one you're going to get. And kids love that shit. It's not gambling. It's like little kid toys. Trading card packs. And also that consumers love this. They're totally cool with loot boxes because they're spending a lot of money on them. So that means they have to love them, right? And it's just like how... I mean... Clearly, they know people don't like them. They can't possibly think that they do. And so then they're just lying, like bold-faced lying at a government (laughs) hearing under oath. Because, like, let's look historically at this, right? When Battlefront 2 came out and had all the microtransactions bullshit, all the progression bullshit, loot box card bullshit, there was a post on Reddit talking about it. EA responded, and that response is the most downvoted post in the history of Reddit. It currently has a negative 380,000 score, which doesn't mean it was downvoted 380,000 times. It means that however many people upvoted it, there were just as many people that downvoted it, plus 380,000 more. Right. Uh, The second place for most downvoted was from a dude who was trying to set the record and saying like, hey, downvote this. I want to set the record for most downvoted post. That post has negative 24,000. So 380,000, 24,000. There's a bit of a difference there. 
Yeah. Not to mention the other one wanted to be downvoted. <laughs> so yes, everyone loves surprise mechanics. Like, are you fucking serious? Uh, and when I first saw this article on Game Informer, I legitimately thought that it was like from the hard times. Which is like the Onion, but video game specific stuff. Because it sounds so yeah. ridiculous to say like, EA says loot boxes aren't loot boxes. They're surprise mechanics. And it's just like, <laughs> what? Like, how long did it take for them to come up with this fucking shit? Like, this just these lies. They have a dude. They have a whiteboard in a conference room somewhere, and it's just a list of shit. And they keep crossing them off, going down the list further and further and further. Eventually, they're gonna run out of shit. Yeah. I I was laughing, and then I realized that it was real life, and then I was not <laughs> laughing anymore. Because also, to be fair, like the government people asking them questions have no idea what they're talking about, right? And so it's just like someone who has no idea what they're talking about asking direct pointed questions to someone who is lying like you're never going to find a good resolution to that problem (laughs) so all right let's wrap this baby up with an email so steve from dc wrote in before the last episode that episode ran really long and so we didn't want to take the time to cover the email we're still just as long this time around (laughs) but we're going to do the email anyway so Steve writes in and says, hey, I'm assuming this episode will be filled with E3 and other video game talk. So let's switch things up for the email portion of the podcast. Hey, Steve, like back off. All right. Let us run the podcast how we want. We'll talk about what we want when we want. Steve says, what music are you listening to right now? Did you or Kyle play gar- in garage bands in high school? Did that have any effect on the type of music you like now? I would love to know what your musical tastes are like today after everything, including any nostalgic songs that maybe you don't love, but bring up a good memory you would like to share. Thanks for all the great content. Steve in DC. So, the first question, what music are you listening to right now? I don't listen to a ton of music anymore, to be honest. I was big into music in high school. Something changed where I just like don't super care about legit music anymore. And if I listen to it, it's just stuff that I used to like. Or like a new album from a band I liked before. Because well, primarily like podcasts kind of took exactly. over that section of your let's say your why. life. I mean, I, I am my commute is two to two and a half hours a day. That's long. But it's I'm listening to podcasts. I listen to the giant bombcast. I listen to the Adventure Zone. I listen to the Giant Beast cast. I listen to the Fantasy Footballers, which is my weekly fantasy football podcast. I occasionally listen to um, the Improv Musical Show. What's the Off Book? Off Book. The Improv Musical improv Podcast. Musical podcast. I listen it's to brilliant. our podcast. I got to keep those. I got to well, keep got, those downloads keep in the double honest. digits. <laughs> like, well, no, we, we got yeah, we got to keep ourselves honest. Like if we can listen to us then maybe someone else can. Yes. I do fast forward because I'm like, God, you guys are annoying. No, yeah. I don't. Mostly I listen to it because I want to make sure nothing got screwed up. Right. I fast forward when you talk. Good. And awesome. Just... <laughs> well, hey, then you're going to listen to almost this whole episode. Yeah, I know. Uh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't listen to a ton of music now. I do listen to a lot of music while I'm at work. It helps me focus. But I, because I do a lot of writing in my job, I can't really listen to anything with lyrics which led me down the path of listening to video game soundtracks, which I know I've talked about a bunch of times. So um, biggest ones I'm listening to or just recently listened to, I listened to the Cadence of Hyrule soundtrack, the new um, Crypt of the Necrodancer that they put in the Zelda world. I listened to the Pokemon Sun and Moon soundtrack. 
I just finished Final Fantasy IX, and I'm currently listening to the original Kingdom Hearts. So typically I like stuff that has more drive to it. So I'll li- like, you know, I made it through all, like I listened to Hotline Miami, I listened to Fury, I listened to Luftrausers, Pyre, like a lot of those that have more of the driving kind of uh, stuff. So now I'm like listening to anything that I like, like a bunch of Final Fantasies and the Pokemons. I, I listened to the Ratchet and Clank All for One podcast the other day, which is decent. Um, it's just more so to because I to have something where I'm not sitting in silence. Right. The only regular music I've listened to recently was Blink-182's new album, California, which is, is pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah. Um, and then just recently, like a couple of weeks ago, Chris Caraba, the lead singer of Dashboard Confessional, which is one of my favorite bands, he put out re-releases of some old tracks with kind of saying, like, when I wrote these, they never came together the exact way I wanted to, and so I wanted to re-release them and redo them in more of what I originally intended. For a lot of them, they're not that different. Like, he'll change, like, two words in a song. Or, like, he just does this one acoustic instead of full orchestral. But it's cool. Like, it's just slightly different versions of songs that I'm super familiar with. So that's kind of all I've really been listening to lately. You listen to anything besides podcasts? Um, yeah. So I, I listen to... Um uh Mumford and Sons a lot. Mm-hmm. That's like that's my sing along. Okay. I like to I can sing what uh Mumford sings, so that's my sing along. That's also my go to for like karaoke. So you don't Mumford. sing along with the Sons? Uh no, just Mumford. Because <laughs> uh, all the Sons are playing instruments. <laughs> um uh, <laughs> and um uh Foo Fighters. I listen to a lot of Foo Fighters because mm-hmm. Dave Grohl is my man. Uh, also listen to a lot of Blink-182. Usually they're old stuff, but I do like their new California album as yeah. well. Um, Steven Seagulls, uh, Steve apostrophe and apostrophe Seagulls. Uh, they are a cover band out of some European country I can't remember at the moment. And they do a lot of old classic rock songs like Thunderstruck, um, uh, uh, Run to the Hills, uh, other stuff like that. Uh, which I like those original songs, uh, like classic rock. Um, I don't have any of that stuff on my like iPod, right? But uh, if it's on the radio, because there's a radio station here that plays that kind of music, I'll just tune into the radio station if I want to listen to that stuff. Um, but uh, like, I really like Queen. I think Queen is tremendous. Mm-hmm. The Police are really good. Uh, but like stuff, I'll actually listen to. I'll listen to like old Coheed and Cambria. Um, not their new stuff because it's bad. Oh, I didn't even um, know they were still making stuff. Yeah, they put out an album not that long ago, hmm. and by not that long ago, it might be a couple of years. I don't know, but it wasn't very good. Um, oh, what else? I I will also listen to the Dashboard, uh, Motion City soundtrack. Yep, uh, Motion City soundtrack but, but, but. actually broke up, and they're doing like a reunion tour, oh. and they're coming to Atlanta. I think in like December, and I really nice. want to try to go, but I know Kelly won't get anything out of it, so I'm trying to decide because I don't, I wouldn't want to go by myself, right? So I'm, I might try to go to that though. Um, was it plus forty four? Yep. Was the one of the Splinter Mark, Blink bands? Yeah, Mark Hoppus and yeah. Travis did that separately. I'll listen to plus forty four. Armor for sleep occasionally. It's a lot of 
bands that uh, you had the CDs for right. that I put into my iTunes and listened yeah. to. Yeah. Uh, so yes, like a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I just I don't alt rock. I don't listen to much new stuff, but it's 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 no. like you know I listened to a lot of punk rock and like alternative rock stuff in yeah. high school. And that just has carried over. Like, the bands I liked then, I listened to all their old stuff. Like, you know, a lot of the ones you mentioned. Muse and yeah, Tool. Um, I listened to a lot. I was super into Fall Out Boy, like, in the early days. I cannot stand no. modern Fall Out Boy. But yeah, back in, like, 04, I loved Fall Out Boy. Yeah. Um, uh, I like Cage the Elephant. Uh, group Love. Group Love is really good. Oh, I guess probably, like, the most recent band like that has come about most recently that i listened to is 21 pilots okay yes um they're good i don't really listen to them again like i just don't yeah their style really changed i don't seek out new musicians whatsoever right yeah me neither my most of the new stuff that i listen to is due to my friend cody because he listens to a lot of new stuff and he'll introduce me to something i'm like oh it's pretty good so like i found group love and 21 pilots through him um Group Love is very good. The only um, other one I, I listen to, like, I don't listen to it in the car or anything, but I always watch their new videos when they come out, is Pentatonix. Fucking okay. love Pentatonix. Really? Yes. And I don't even like that style of music, because, like, right. I mean, it's all acapella covers of pop music and, like, hip-hop yeah. stuff, and I don't like any of those songs, but I like it when they do it. Huh. Yeah, because I, I don't like that style either, and I don't yeah. I don't like what they do. Carol really likes them. Um, that's all I can think of the moment. Yeah, pretty similar stuff for both of us. I think a lot of yeah. the like alternative. Well, I, I, a lot of my musical punk. taste is influenced by what our parents would listen to in the car. Yeah, which your taste was also influenced by that, and then also my influence was mostly CDs that you owned. Right. Because I didn't want to buy CDs, so I would just take yours and listen to them. Yeah. And I mean, Weird I have Al Yankovic. A, Weird, Weird Al is good. I have a ton of bands that I used to listen to that I don't listen to anymore. That I could, like, go... I could pull up my iTunes and, like, NoFX, uh, Alkaline Trio. Perfect Circle. The Get Up Kids. A Perfect, perfect Circle. That was just an off, offshoot of Tool. But, yeah. yeah. A lot of that stuff. I liked Panic at the Disco for like a hot second in high school. I saw them live once. They were pretty good. Yeah, a lot of that kind of stuff. Just like early to, early to mid to late 2000s pop punk stuff. Yeah. And then your taste matures to alt rock. Well, not really. I mean, I listen to, like I, I loved Foo Fighters back in the day too, and I still do. A lot of that stuff I, I always liked. Yeah. Um, I, so, just, I will not listen to country. I will right. not listen to rap. I will right. not listen to hip-hop or pop. I'm having more of an appreciation for rap and hip-hop, not for the actual, like, wanting to listen to it, but I'm super into, like, hip-hop dancing, and so I watch a lot of hip-hop dance videos because I'm a weirdo and I want to be a hip-hop dancer. Okay. And so, like, they primarily dance to hip-hop songs, obviously. And I don't like the music. Like, some of them do, like, dubstep stuff, too. Some techno-ish stuff. Electronic music. And I don't like the actual music. But paired with the dancing, it's, like, a really good marriage. That, like, if I was going to dance, I could totally dance to, like, a cool, aggressive hip-hop song. Just because of the beats and stuff. 
but I would never listen to it by itself. Only if I'm hip hop dancing. <laughs> okay. What about um, what uh, what was the second question? Did you play in any garage bands in high school? Hell yes, I played with a group of guys that we kind of like rotated some of the folks in and out um, throughout uh, all of high school and like early into college. We had a couple different names. I think our original name was Nobody Special, which I came up with because I thought it was a real good joke to be like, up next, Nobody Special. I thought it was super funny. Um, that is a really good mid-2000s yes, it is. <laughs> garage band Yes, name. it is. And we did like slightly more ag- – like. Um, like we weren't like a punk rock, like super fast punk rock. We were more of like a band like Muse that's like more alternative rock with some like punk influences. Um, we had a couple like instrumental songs, which I thought were really dope because our lead singer, he wasn't that good of a singer. And so we didn't do it. I didn't like as much stuff that, Was that relied Travis? heavily. Yeah. I didn't like stuff yeah. that relied he- as heavily on his vocals. But uh, yeah, I played with them for a while. We did some like local shows, and I remember we played. It was it was like oh, actually no, this was the second iteration of this band. So we changed out our bassist, and we got another lead singer who was already part of a band called Triangle Pancakes, which again is a really good mid two thousands name. Yep. They were like really fast punk rock stuff, but he was very much like Taking Back Sunday style of his vocals. Like, a lot of, like, really high-pitched, yeah. wailing, like, really emo thing. And he was good. Like he was a really good front man. Like, he just did vocals. He was a really good performer. So he joined us for a bit, and we re- rebranded our name. We were called Aventine, which we just found, like, looking up random fucking names. And Aventine, I guess, is this, like, mountain in Italy. But we just liked the name Aventine. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and I remember like this was for us it was the biggest gig we ever played but we opened for a touring band who I had never heard of but like they had a legit following at a skateboard park it was an indoor skate park it was really weird there were like yeah. I mean there were a decent amount of people there like 30, 40, 50 people there plus there were a bunch of people just like skateboarding while we performed yeah, and so that was like well, kind of weird. I you and it also was like, played at like the loft. Was it the loft? Uh, ga- we played Gavin Grounds, the attic. You we also at, played right? at the attic. We played yeah. at a bunch of places like local to the Dayton area. Uh, but yeah, that was kind of like my garage band high school thing. And then in college, I played drums for a bunch of productions, both like in the theater and like out in the theater. So I played for we um. In Dayton, in the Oregon District, which is like the fancy area of Dayton, Ohio, every year they do like a special themed um, event. And so I performed with some folks and we did like a huge collage of uh, like 60s and 70s music. And I played drums for that. So we did a bunch. And this was like, it, our the theme was more like on the hippie side. So we played like White Rabbit. Um, we played some Beatles some of the who like a lot of that kind of the, that more like Woodstock style music and a lot yeah. of like the um stuff people would listen to when they got high <laughs> like that kind of music basically <laughs> and that was a lot of fun i got and i like we didn't try to make it super um 
cover band style where it's like we're just recreating it. We did our own little twists on it, which was good for me because a lot of drums in the 60s and 70s are really boring. So I kind of got to make up my own stuff, which was a lot of fun. So yeah, I play. I mean, I've been I haven't played drums consistently in many years, but uh, I have played since like fourth grade. So I've been around the block for drums. You I was play, in a band you, in high yeah, school. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought you played in a band, too. Uh, Yeah. So, I don't like screamo music. I right. never have. But two of my friends at the time were really into screamo music and wanted to start a screamo band, and I was the only drummer they knew. <laughs> um, and our, our name, which was thought up by our guitarist, um, was 12 Strikes of Tragedy. Yikes. Which is maybe the best one of those names you could possibly come up with. Wow. Yes. I hated that name. I still hate that name, and it makes me sad when I say it. Um, also, I am not, I'm not friends with one of those people anymore. Um, unfortunately, they made some life decisions that took them in a vastly different direction than mine. <laughs> Um, and then our, our vocalist, uh, he's a chill dude. I think he's a tattoo artist, um, doing, doing good work from what I hear. Um, I hope he's doing well, but, um, yeah, so it's, uh, we played screamo music. I always like, we had like seven or eight songs, I think Mm -hmm. that were original songs. Mm -hmm. I think two of them were instrumentals which were the ones that I preferred. One of them was making fun of our vocalist's fat younger brother. Nice. Uh, <laughs> and we played, we played, we, we booked one show at gathering grounds and we, yeah, we did play one show. I don't know that we ever booked another gig because of things that our guitarist did. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think we only ever had the one gig. Awesome. But in high school, we would have Battle of the Bands every year, which they yes. don't do now. It's all just part of the talent show. Um, but we had Battle of the Bands. And my freshman year, two of my friends and I decided that because we were all percussionists, like none of us could play guitar or we didn't want to sing or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, what can we do? Well, we could play drums. And we could play drums okay for freshmen. Um, and we can play lots of different drums. So... Let's do a thing around that where we're all playing drums, sort of a stomp, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, <laughs> with the, the poor man's blue man group. Uh, well, whatever. Stomp was really big for a while. Um, so we did uh, what we call bum drum, where my friend, I'm not going to name names. One of my friends, he was, there's a whole theme about making fun of fat people in my life, and now I am <laughs> one. So it just serves to Karma. show that, like, yeah, karma comes around and gets you. Um, one of my friends was a little portlier. He's super trim and a good-looking Val Kilmer motherfucker now. But he was portlier in high school, and we always gave him shit for it, and we were terrible, awful human beings, and I'm very ashamed of it. I feel like shit for... Uh, uh, I will feel like shit for that for the rest of my life. But we made him the bum, because he was always the butt of all of our jokes, so we made him the bum. So he's like street musician. We made it a skit, right, which mm-hmm. got people really into it. Because the whole thing about Battle of the Bands was it was a competition. Like, you mm-hmm. win Battle of the Bands. So, we did this whole skit where he was a bum on the street, like, doing, like, some basic beats on drums. And my other friend and I 
wearing like suit jackets with our cell phones out, like clearly business people. Yep. Like walked by, checked them out, dropped a little money in the thing, and then like walked away and like came back like, hey, can we join you or whatever? Like no actual words were spoken. It was mm-hmm. all like Mind. pantomime stuff. Yeah. And then like we proceeded to like like my other friend like the bum would like keep the beat and then my friend and I would do like, do like crazy drum tricks like where we would like toss toms to each other and like some light acrobatic stuff where like flipping sticks and tossing things around and doing like little solo battles against each other and stuff. Um and so we tied for first place for Battle of the Bands, which was super awesome. Tied then, like, for first place. Well, because it was an applauso meter, oh, and okay. it, there wasn't an actual applauso meter. It was just like yeah. an adult listening to the applause, and I guess they I don't know, maybe they felt bad for us, but we tied with uh, hunting with Cheney. Awesome, which is another really good mid that really dates topical that band. name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was another band that played called Cadius, uh, and they like booked more gigs around the area. They were mm-hmm. like more of a thing. But we tied Hunting with Cheney for first place in Battle of the Bands my freshman year, and I'm really proud of that. But the funny way the skit ended was, like, my my buddy and I, not the bum, my other friend and I, like, would put, like, we put the drums down, and then, like, we kind of, like, looked at the bum, because he didn't really do much the whole time. He was just kind of keeping the beat, and, like, we're clearly better drummers than he is, mm-hmm. and we take the money back, and then we leave. <laughs> wow. It's a pretty dark ending to your yeah. drum skit. Right, like yeah, take we, the money back from the homeless person because we played good it enough at drums. Battle of the Bands once, and I didn't want to. Like it wasn't even with the group that I normally played with. It was one other dude who I didn't really like wanted to do a thing for Battle of the Bands, and he's like, "Hey, if we get these people to do it, because each one of us is popular in a different group of people, we'll win." Because that's the way his brain worked, and I was like, "I don't okay. want to participate in this bullshit." and like he wanted like we weren't even a band he just wanted to get this group of four dudes together and write a song specifically for battle of the bands and so somehow like my my buddy who played bass who was gonna do it with him convinced me to do it and i was really annoyed and i was like fucking fine i'll do it i don't care and when we actually performed it something got screwed up i don't remember whose fault it was but the end of the song ended incorrectly and so I continued to play when they had stopped or like kind of teetered off. So then I just turned it into a drum set solo because <laughs> I got to do something. Yeah. And I thought I thought it was a pretty legit drum solo, but it wasn't a good song. We didn't do a good job and we did not win whatsoever. And I was really annoyed to like be associated with this because I was yeah. like, I'm better than this shit. So that was my battle of the band's experience. <laughs> So yeah, thanks for the question, Steve. Obviously, very off topic from what we usually talk about, but that's that's fun sometimes. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's, thanks let's, for making me remember Twelve Strikes of Tragedy. <laughs> that's really bad, dude. That's yeah, like, it is. Isn't I would it, be though? so embarrassed telling anyone I was in a band called Twelve it was Strikes very of Tragedy. Embarrassed. Tragedy. I was very embarrassed. <gasps> oh my! I still am. <laughs> let's take this thing home with something we don't hate. So I don't hate fun cocktails. My wife and I went on a little date night last night, sans penny. She got to stay with her grandparents, and I got like a little, it was pink vodka and lemon juice and some other kind of mixer. It wasn't particularly good because it was really strong of vodka, which is not a great flavor on its own, but it came in like a martini glass, and it was bright pink and bubbly, and I was like, hell yeah. 
<laughs> I'm not ashamed to drink something like this. And it made me really want a strawberry daiquiri, which is like one of my favorite foofy drinks. Strawberry daiquiris mwah, are delicious. So that's something I don't hate. All right. Um, I don't hate being home. <laughs> Bring it, it full circle. So nice to be home. Yeah. Oh. Oh. To do a three-hour podcast. Yeah, and then I have to go get groceries, and then I have to go to my in-laws and learn how to take care of their house, their massive crop garden, and yep. their dog for a month. Yep. I am probably going to go get us lunch, and then I am going to watch our daughter while my wife goes to the grocery store, and then I'm going to be a dad the rest of the day, and then probably at 9 p.m., I'm going to edit all the podcast shit together. That's the rest oh, of my so day. You only have to be a dad for the rest of the day, <laughs> and then I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> then it's over. Well, and then Talk I go to work. Out. So, in in a sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, that's gonna do it for this episode. Show notes will be on shadeseverything.com. Leave us a review on iTunes. We'll read it live on the podcast. Send us an email. Thanks as always to Steve for for shooting over an email. It's always fun to talk through, and uh, we'll see you guys back in two weeks. Peace out.